better be lucky than good, I guess. Yo, happening? Yo, how about that uh, that bait and switch? With Bro, the, uh, so I, I missed it. I'm gonna have to go back and rewatch. What was it? What was the deal? Uh, so they uh, they previewed Fulgrim, you know, but like ascended Fulgrim with like the the snake and the wings and everything, and everyone was like, "Oh my god!" And then, um, but then like the Horus Heresy logo pops up, and like the realization <laughs> where everyone's like, "No." <laughs> Because like the realization that it's like not gonna have 40k rules and it's going to be like be like resin, you know, so it's gonna be like a pain in the butt and it's gonna break and all sorts of stuff like brutal. that. And it's gonna be like wildly expensive. So it's just like and they left it towards the end too, you know. And the email even said, you know, the the email for the reveals said like Primark and everything. So <laughs> like, is, it, is it the 30k demon Primark Fulgrim or is it just like straight Fulgrim? It's the 30k demon Primark Fulgrim. I mean, that's it's still kind of dope. It's it no, it's dope. Like, but but wow. now you're but now you're gonna be like now you're gonna be like okay, this is like this is counts as Magnus or this is counts as anger or some <laughs> yeah. some dumb stuff like yeah. that. You know, it's just gonna be like if you're if you're trying to play it for his children, you're gonna be like he's too big to be like anything else, you yeah. know, because he's on like the big hundred millimeter base. Gosh. Yeah, it's yeah, I don't know. Um, There's such troll it, sometimes. That, that is, su- yeah, that was such a troll move. Uh, yeah, I mean, might as, well, might as well talk about reveals while we're here. Um, yeah. The uh, what do you think about the rest of the reveals? I mean, it's cool. Like jump pack Primaris. I, th- I mean, I think we all at this point should collectively understand that like Primaris is going to equal Space Marine, and that's just going to be it. And like all the which old is good. Yeah, which is, I think is good. Yeah. Which is good because there's there's confusion. I mean, like, especially if like newer people getting in, they're like they're yeah. they don't understand that like how long it takes to swap over an entire line, especially a line that big. And so they're like, well, why are these what is what like especially if someone just got in tenth edition or end of ninth edition, they're like, Why are there submarines and the primary marines? What's the right. difference? Blah, blah blah, you know, it's um so like folks like you or me it's it seems like pretty self-explanatory you know but like if you're newer it's kind of it can be a little bit overwhelming so yeah. anything to ease the onboarding you know yeah. and the sculpts still look good they do yeah i mean the primary sculpts just look anything that's closer to true scale just looks better um so that's fun and i think like mechanically it also makes things easier because as you're like sunsetting a bunch of these miniatures there's just like fewer rules things you have to keep track of and come up with to keep things like feeling creative and unique and new um better just to like like i don't mind sort of squishing it down to add more richness and texture to the existing line i do i mean you know as always i feel bad for people who are like man i got all these like tactical marines from back in the day what am i supposed to do with these guys i'm sure they're going to be playable for at least a couple years it'll be all right but like those things are like 30 years old at this point like yeah I mean, at the end of the day, like, it is, they pretty much for the most part, um, with a couple exceptions, done one-for-one replacements. So you can can play it. It's not the same as, like, playing an old pewter, like, Lord of Change (laughs) with a new one, you know, where he's, like, he's, like, a third of the size, you know? It's it's just the skills. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, um, <laughs> I still have one of those somewhere. Yeah, oh man, with the straight ten stat line, that guy was the best. Yeah, it was just ten. Everything was just ten. <laughs> that guy was the best. Love that. Yeah. Um, so, what have you been up to, man? Um, chilling mostly. Work. My my work has gone crazy. Um, but that's I think going to be the case between now and like the election, just as a matter of the work, a matter of course, as a result of work that I do. And then I've just been chilling. Like we were on vacation in Curacao last week. That was dope. Highly recommend it. If you can make the trip out as like a family trip, super friendly. The folks are nice. The weather's great. It's outside the hurricane belt, which is especially relevant now. Um, and yeah, just like great food, calm beaches, great sand, all that stuff. So that was a good little family trip. Going camping this weekend, which is why I'm, you know, missing out on Nova. Excited to hear about your plans for Nova though. Um, yeah. And yeah, my oldest is starting kindergarten at his like new school on Tuesday. Exciting. That's it. And then I'm trying to work on um let's see if I can grab one of these guys. I'm trying to get my formula for black down that isn't just black but still registers as black for these Death Watch dudes that I've been working on. Getting that going. That's my like hobby project now, is fishing up some of the uh, New Proteus squads. That's it. That's what I got. How about you, Um, Went to a GT last week. Uh, took the took Arnie's uh, Germany's Chaos Knight list. Uh, it's real Ooh. simple. It's just four. It's just fourteen dogs. Um, man, having twenty-eight uh, thermal spear shots solves <laughs> a lot of issues. <laughs> the redundancy, you love it. Oh my god, it solves so many issues. Um, so getting used to playing that list a little bit, how it was different from my by the one. It's kind of nice because it's it's just whenever you're playing a faction that you've been playing a bunch, and then you just you try someone else's list, you kind of can you it's nice because you're a little bit outside your comfort zone, but you're just you're like a half foot in, half foot out, so it's less mental bandwidth, like you're still playing the game in front of you, but you're also just kind of thinking like, okay, well, what what would I have done with the old list? Like, where's like, what do I have now? Like, what are the pros and cons of switching or whatever? Um, so the list had less melee than I'm used to, mm -hmm. but I didn't find myself missing it too much. Um, because the the previous list, um, it cut guns to get the melee. Um, and it found I found myself having to use the walk through wall strat and the tank shock a lot more to make that melee like reliable right. whereas this one like i didn't really have to do that like instead of like kind of sprinting to where i needed to be yeah. um it just it just kind of moseyed forward and just like gradually filled up the board and and thermal got, targets as yeah and literally did, yeah it was great so that was kind of nice um which which meant because i didn't need the strats as much um i kind of like it Every matchup, I would kind of be like, okay, well, what strat is important? If they had effect, I'd be like, well, what strat is important? Um, and I would try to, like, get them to vex the wrong strat, basically. Mm -hmm. um, which is which is um, not as hard as I thought it would be to do. Um, like, if, if you can run down, like, their source of their vex. Um, that happened in my CSM game. It was kind of like Cypher was kind of, like, in the open, and I kind of pushed up and it was very obvious that cypher was going to die next turn so i i used i didn't I, I didn't think i needed the wall strat on that mm -hmm. on that 
matchup and mission. So I just used it just to like get a little bit closer. And I was like, would you like the Vect? He's like, well, Cypher's going to die next turn. So yes. I was like, cool. Um, and then I ended up using stealth. I ended up using like rotate way more in that mission because, um, I mean, I guess I could talk about the matchups. Um, yeah. But in that in that mission, for that matchup, he was running MSU, no, no Abaddon, um, Chaos Space Marines, but he was very it was very shooting heavy. Yeah. Um, but just the way the the way the where the terrain was, it was GW terrain, and the way the um, the objectives were and everything, I didn't really need to walk through walls because mm-hmm. uh, it was chosen battlefield. Um, so basically I put all the objectives in the open. He put the objectives behind walls, but then I won the roll off to choose sides. Yeah. So I chose the ones behind walls right. and I made him stand in the open right. to hold objectives. <laughs> womp, womp. Just, womp, womp. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so I, I didn't, so that was good. Um, yeah, I he was a he was a good opponent. He was a, he was very friendly. Um, he was very competent. I liked his list. Um, I just kind of like you know first round, just kind of th- like spoiler alert, I lost that one because um, right. it was the it was the one where you score a bunch of points for being alive at the end, and I went first. I was like, eh, didn't really want to do that. Um, yeah. So I pushed up because you know he it was awkward because I wanted to push up a lot, but he had the chosen and the Nurgle Rhino, and he had a big unit undivided possessed. And, um, you know, kind of kind of projecting threat, backed up by two Forge Fiends, but then he also had, like, a unit of undivided obliterators in reserve. So it's kind of like, I want to, you want to spread out, but not too much. You want to spread out to block out the obliterators, but you don't want to just eat the possessed. Um, yeah, I think, in, I think in retrospect, I should have, like, thrown something out to try to bait out the charge to the possessed, so that way I could deal, them, deal with them on my turn, too, oh, so that way they're dealt yeah. with. Yeah. That way, I, because I ended up having to deal with them and the obliterators at the same time, which meant I didn't really have enough time to deal with the, um, the chosen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I I took tactical and I got a zero in tactical turn one. I got a zero in tactical turn five, and then I made I made an oops on primary, and it swung it swung the primary by twenty points turn five. So I I ended up losing that one by eleven points, kind of soft through. And by soft through, I mean hard through. Um, well, given, but the nice yeah, thing, given like you just listed like a few. A few errors. The fact that you only lost by eleven is not not a terrible outcome. You must have like been really like playing your ass off. <laughs> Essentially, um, yeah, the, the army displays primary really well. Um, yeah. yeah, he thought he lost, and then like at the very end, it was just like, "Whoops, I won." Um, <laughs> the but yeah, one of the things I'm noticing is like normally I take tactical because the previous list it. Um, it, it kind of wants that little drip of an extra CP or two. This list doesn't really need it as much. So right. I've been leaning more to go into the fix. Like you do like homers and engage or homers and bring it down or engage in homers, stuff like that. And then that way you just get a steady drip of secondaries while you just push the primary differential real hard. Uh, Cause that, that army just naturally picks up engage. Um, and then homers is nice. Cause if you're going to play tactical anyhow, mm-hmm. a lot of times, the action economy when you do tactical is really weird. Um, when you don't, when you have an army that doesn't want to do um, action economy because you'll have you'll have like two rounds where you don't have to do any actions, and then you'll have to do you'll have a round where all of a sudden you have to do like two actions at opposite sides of the board. Um, so you can it can kind of be like a little bit of like Bernie Hill where you're trying to scramble all over the place. Uh, so just knowing that it's just like okay, well, I just got to sacrifice one dog a turn to go into the center and pick up three points if I need to. If not, well. 
or like, you know, homers in the middle for three, homers in the middle for three, then no homers turn three while I do damage. But then, then I'm going to make up for it for the next two turns by being in the deployment zone for five. So it goes three, three, zero, five, five, or something like that. Which that's, I, I'm liking that much more. Um, and because I don't need the stratagems as much with this list, um, I'm enjoying that. My next matchup was uh, Tao. Um, and he just, he reserved too much stuff. Uh, it was the ritual, which is rough for Tao into any kind of aggressive army because to get primer, you had to, you had to basically step nine inches from the center and 10, maybe like 11 inches from the center and do an action to form your first objective marker. Um, what was and that could be Is it like crisis blobs plus loan ops or not? Um, it was two MSU crisis units. Uh, and then he had Farsight for one, he had a Cold Star for another, he had Shadow Sun by himself, he had a Hammerhead, uh, he had some Breachers and Double Fish, he had two Ghost Keels, two Piranhas, um, just, just ran, and some Stealth Suits, just random stuff. Yeah. Um, but he started, but yeah, he started too much off the board, and I went first. Um, so since I knew he didn't have enough damage to really, like, punish me for being aggressive, I was just, like, super aggressive, because I knew I'd get two full turns of just you know, running all over the board. And then the crisis dropped down. He didn't, he couldn't really, you know, and he overcharged and he was, did a little bit of damage. And then I just killed him. Um, and then we kind of talked about, yes, yes, what he could do better. And I was like, look, you just, you just left way too much stuff off the board. I didn't have to respect you. Um, and he came to me the <laughs> next, uh, and then he just, he came up to me the next round. He said, he, and, you know, we talked about some other stuff. And I guess he won his next game because of, the stuff that we talked about, he put into practice immediately and he won his next awesome. game. So he was pretty happy about that. Just a little bit of a little bit of free coaching mid mid event yeah. Um round three, I played demons. Um I took uh it wasn't like full on big boy, but it was like three, four big boys, and then some medium stuff and some small stuff. It was pretty balanced. Um and I mean, it wasn't optimized, but there wasn't anything there that like made me like raise an eyebrow. It was like, yeah, those are all like fine units. This is typical um, like, Delacour, double, like Shalaxy double. Um, so off the top, so didn't he didn't have Shalaxy, which helped a lot. Um, mm -hmm. but he had he had the great and clean one with the enhancement. He had a Bloodthirster. He had a Delacour. He had a Nurgle Soul Grinder. Mm -hmm. uh, two units of Crushers, a unit of Pinks, a unit of Bloodletters, two Solo Beasts. Uh, and a skull cannon and you know nerdlings. Interesting. Um, he took bring it down and and uh, behind enemy lines, and I took bring it down and assassinate. And he left the again. He did the same thing. He he reserved just too much stuff. Yeah. Um, but he had he had Bellacore, the crushers, and the great and clean one like right in the line, and then he had um, some nerdlings like like nine inches outside my DZ on the other side. And the soul grinder was like way in the back. Um, so I just deployed on the line because he didn't really, the only shooting he had was the soul grinder. Yeah. Um, and I was kind of like, well, if crushers charge, then the crushers charge their units of three, you know, but they're not led by characters. So it won't hurt that bad. They'll do some mortals. Um, and then I went first. And so I just moved up and Bellacor and the crushers were all within 18 of like, <laughs> Three quarters of my army. <laughs> Apply thermos. Um, yeah, so the crushers just all the crushers just died. Uh Bellacor, 
I dropped him to like a third of his health. Uh, the Nurglings, I used the Nurglings to kind of slingshot myself on the objective. Um, then he pushed up with the Great and Clean one and the Soul Grinder, and he did like he tickled a little bit. Um, and then I killed the Soul Grinder from full health to zero with two Huntsmen because they reroll ones to wound damage mm-hmm. against vehicles and monsters, and they got within plus four damage range. Um, I had set up the charge too, but I didn't have to. They just killed him with shooting, um, which was kind of incredible. I didn't, I didn't think they would go down that easy. And then the great unclean one was a chore to kill, but I was like, well, I got to deal with them now before the bloodthirster comes in, you know, and the pinks and shit like that, because I'm just not going to have a chance to deal with it ever again. So literally the rest of my army, um, there was like one guy who had fallen back from like a random like blood crusher, but like literally the rest of my army just pointed at i think like two guys went to the soul grinder two guys went to go chase down bellicor killed him that turn he was sad about that um because as soon as you go backwards to bellicor you just kind of like lose yeah, um tough. you can't he just went to a court you can't do that with bellicor and then literally 10 nine dogs um popped the exploding sixes strat and dedicated their shooting into the grand clean one and i barely killed that guy um but he wasn't in the realm of shadow because he moved bellicor backwards he had moved Bellacor backwards, that guy would have lived. Um, but he had moved Bellacor backwards, so he only had the five up field of pain, set the four up, and he died. Uh, Bloodthirst came down, charged, killed a dog. Uh, he scored some points, and then my entire army shot the crap out of him. Um, killed everything else, and I let uh, I just let the pinks live on an objective. I was like, I was like, look, man, I don't want to roll out pinks, like, I just don't. <laughs> so you, Are we doing this? You, you just you just enjoy getting your three points for every turn for the rest of the game, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, round four, I played against Custodes. Um, we, we played the um, the soccer ball mission, the servo skulls, which man, that mission is something for a tournament. <laughs> it's certainly a mission, but it's, it, is cer- it is certainly a mission. Um, so I went, f- so I went first, and then so he basically deployed again. You notice the theme here, he just put we just lost uh. We just lost Cliff. Uh, Autumn back when he comes back. So for the audience, um, he deployed. He left two bricks in reserves. Um, you didn't miss anything, Cliff. Um, so for custodies, he left um, two bricks in reserves. There's a brick of terminators, a brick of troops. He started brick of troops on the board on one flank. Um, started a little bit back, and then he had two exaction squads and a Calidus squad on the board. Um, so I just deployed him blind because he had no way to do damage to me turn yeah. one. Um, I went first. Uh, I just literally everyone on my left side, I just advanced. Off they went. Um, just pushed up as far as they could. Uh, no shooting. And the other guys, I, I moved like two guys up to grab the two objectives. I tried to like just commit mm-hmm. as little as possible because the unit that was on the board was the Blade Guard Champion unit. Um, Is Blade Guard plus, plus Guard or Wardens? Blade guard plus guard. So that, that unit could like was a real unit. Yeah. Um, so I was like, I basically kind of moved slightly up and then kicked the objectives behind me. Mm. And I was kind of like, well, hopefully he'll just come out and do some shooting and then charge, which will pull his unit out in the open. And then I could just light it up with my entire fucking army. And that because he only had really had three bricks, so like, and he had some MSU shit. And I was like, I was like, well, if I kill turn one or turn two, if I just kill a troop unit for free, like, now, now we're now it's game on. Uh, 
it would just be too much momentum. And that's basically what happened. He he ch- did some shooting. He charged. He actually failed to kill either of the um, the dogs because they were just too far too far apart. So he had to like a couple guys coherency, yeah. and he just and he lost. Um, so they fell backwards to kind of like my next turn just kind of like screen. Everyone else just ran the uh, servo skulls as deep into his right. his the board as he could. Um, and then I lined up, I ran one guy to the center of the board to do some actions for the tacticals. Um, and this is the last event I, I do tacticals uh, with this list. I'm just going to do fish from now on. And then everyone else lined up, popped exploding sixes, and everyone was in like plus four melter range. And you can see the range from his eyes. Uh, and I just <laughs> killed the entire unit, left the champion on like two wounds, and then like a stalker just charged and tank shocked him, and he just That's died. Tough. And then, but but that turn, he rapid ingressed behind me. But the two war dogs that had fell backwards were screening him out. Um, the next turn, he he moved up. He charged. He only he was only able to grab those guys, and then basically and like tag another. And so I basically left those guys behind. I fell them back like one point one inches away mm-hmm. and made like vehicles to hold him in my own deployment zone because the home objectives are not worth anything right. on this one. Um. And then everyone just ran the objectives as hard as the one zone as he could. <laughs> I killed the exaction squads and I killed like the MSU, like custodians units that came down, like just because, yeah. you know, like at that point, like I was just running the primary up so, so goddamn high. Um, and he took brain down and assassinated, I think, but like I was actively running away from him. So it just, it was, it was like bad. He got like, he, he got like seven points on primary. Yeah. Um, and I, like I, I think I won that one like ninety something to like thirty something or forty something. Yeah, that's hard. Um, I feel like he needed to, so after, to even be competitive with what you were running. I just went. Um, I mean, but like I, I ran the fourteen dog list because I ran to custodies three times at, at World Masters, and I was like, <laughs> like I'm not. Never, I was like, I'm not. Fu- I'm not. I'm like, I'm not fucking doing this anymore. I'm bringing. I'm bringing twenty eight thermal spears. That's. I'm fucking done with this nonsense. So, um. Then round five, I ran to one of my uh, my other teammates. He's uh, he's a really good guard player. Uh, he was running all the indirect, obviously, but he backs it up with uh, a little bit of shooting. Mm-hmm. He was running seven sentinels, um, two demolisher russes, and a dorn and a chimera, not a chimera, a uh, hellhound uh, to strip cover, and then um, bird shakers, manticores, couple basilisks, yeah. horseman, and a command squad. And that was basically it. Um, I took, this is where I kind of was like, yeah, I need to start taking like fixed, whatever. I took bring it down and engage and retrospect that show just took bring it down and homers. Mm-hmm. Um, cause then I would have gotten it. I mean, he still would have won. He went first and he just did too much damage and it was search and destroy. So it was like, um, I don't like search and destroy. Cause if you do the, like, if you do the deploying the line thing, cause it's like a square corner versus like a triangle, they can just, they can just kill the stuff that's closest and then they tag the further stuff with sentinels and then you just you lose like five dogs turn one and then you get you get pinned in your deployment zone and then you just you don't get close so i actually deployed behind ruined walls on this one but he went first and he you know um did guard stuff he did too much he did too much damage you know and i i, I moved i moved up and he tagged him with sentinels and i ended up getting a gazillion points for um i ended up getting like 10 points to turn on primary uh, for just holding two, because I was kind of like, okay, well, I'm not going to win this, so I'm just going to go for, you know, um, for points. Yeah. Um, 
But at this point, I was already 3-2. I was like, well, maybe I'll, be, I'll just be at the top of the 3-2 bracket or something like that. Um, but that was kind of my strategy. Is like once I knew I couldn't win, I was like, well, I'm just going to go for a point as hard as I can. It's that, that differential mindset. Um, but if I had gone uh, bring it down and homers, he wouldn't have been able to stop that. I would have gone like 85 instead mm-hmm. of 70. So it would have been an 85-point loss, which if you go 4-1, and one, you get like 85-point loss. Like now you're now you're up there. So that was it. It was kind of it was the first run out with the new list. Um, I liked it a lot. Um, shout out to my boy uh, Gus. He started he when we initiated him to Miami Dice, we went a little too hard on him and he kind of went back to Sigmar for a little bit. Uh he caught all the hands. Um, but he came he came back, he was getting to Imperial Knights, and so um we were kind of talking back and forth about lists, and I sent him the list that like the team USA was kind of coming up with. Uh, we ended up not taking, but it was Canis, Castigator, Crusader with the Thermal, uh, two Helverins, a Warglaive, and a Caldus. And I did some light coaching with him. Um, I say light coaching because I, when I've in the past, when I've gone to other people and I've asked for advice, um, I think sometimes I ask for a little bit too much advice. And then, like, I try to, you know, when people give me advice about stuff, and then I, I start overthinking it or I start playing in a way that's contrary to my play style or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've had a lot of situations where like, I've been in contention over an event and then I just, I start doubting myself and I ask people that I look up to and then they give me advice with, with good intentions. But instead of just trusting my instinct or trusting what's been working up to that point, I try to shift gear plans now that I'm on the top table. Right. I've, I've just, so whenever he was, every single round when he was asking me, I was just, I would just tell him like simple stuff. I like, look, man, just, you know, don't, if you need cans to live, you know, use them to make that uh, shoulder the burden strap free because it goes from two speed to zero. Now he's T13. You rotate, you know, it's tough. Um, don't lose your small guys for free um, because then you can't bond. Um, don't backline your stuff, but also like don't disrespect people and frontline your stuff either. You know, like you have for the most part, like the longer the game goes on, the more and more favored you are with the exception of Eldar, you know, like just, just, just play. <laughs> He won a GT. Like he's played five games of Teth and he won a GT. You know, like going around, I care strong, but like I love it. He went, through, he went through a real run. He played like World Eaters. He played World Eaters, Thousand Sons, um, Eldar. Oh. Um, yeah, the Eldar player, I think, was even like possibly like misplaying some rules. Like he's playing the Rake Cans as heavy or something like that, you know? And like he still just, still just blasted him out of the water anyhow, you know? Like just not gonna, uh, I forgot what his other matchups were, but like it was, it was pretty much like all he didn't play GSC. I don't think we had a GSC player mm-hmm. in attendance, but it was meta stuff. Like it was, he, he went through with exceptional world years, he went through meta stuff. Yeah. So not a way up and got it anyway. That's amazing. Also, yeah. great. It was, a, it was, a, it was a fun event. Yeah. That's sick. I love it. I love it. Yep. So the gears, the gears feel nice and oiled uh, for Nova. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, uh, shout out uh, Ben MacJerick, Laird MacJerick, two dollars super super chat, uh, cheering for you to make top cut at Nova. Ben, if I make a top cut with CK, that would certainly be something. But I'll I'll be for it. I'm I'm just gonna go. I'm just gonna do fixed secondaries, deploy in line, and just vibe because I'm I'm there to vibe. So appreciate you, Ben. Bro. Yes, we're all waiting for that post status sleep meta, anyways. Yeah, Jesus, that can't happen soon enough. God, I was like, <laughs> remember the edition first start, and I was like, cool, my like fluffy wraith list will be a thing, and like it won't be bad. Like these rules are so good, and like it literally took like two games with 
Wraith Guard and Wraith Lords and Wraith Knights before I was like, all right, this is not, this is <laughs> not okay. This is fucked up. Like, I actually can't, I can't show up, I can't show up to my local game store and just like play friendly games with anything involving this at all. It just won't, it won't work. So, and just like <laughs> on a weekly basis, updating the dashboard <laughs> just looking at the results being like, what is like, how much data is enough? Like how much data do you need to say enough is enough? Let's make a change. Anyway. I mean, to be fair, when this, when this, um, I think mid September is when I was dropping. Yeah. I mean, traditionally, traditionally back, like, so back in the eighth edition, when they didn't have like official data slates, they basically just had like back in like eighth edition, seventh edition, you would just have, Two FAQs and a chapter. And chapter yeah, that was it. That was just what you got. Um, but traditionally, you get uh, one after Adepticon, one after uh, Nova, and then you would get the the points changes like after Christmas. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of like what how the data slate is functioning now um, is the way the FAQ used to. So it will. People were like, "Oh, but maybe before Nova." I'm like, "It's not happening." No, that'd be crazy. Yeah, no, Nova, Nova is just going to be the bookend of, of this part meta. It just, it just is what it is. But, I mean, realistically, the edition's only been out for two months. Yeah. Um, so to look at the positive side of it, uh, you remember like that that Death Watch change when they were just spewing out mortals. I mean, that got fixed within like what, like that two days bad. or something like that. Um, I think, I think I right now it does feel like an absurd. Yeah, I mean, right now the Eldar thing feels like an eternity, but um, when we are rolling into the 10th edition, uh, about a year, you know, we're like a, a year in. Yeah, we're 2024, 2025 in. This is this is barely going to be a blip on the radar. This is the way I'm looking at it. Because, I mean, all the, if this, there's been, you know, kind of like whispers and rumors in the dark, stuff like that. And it sounds like it's pretty good. I'm consciously optimistic. Um, yeah. But, I know a lot of stuff is on is on their radar, um, and if if all this stuff gets addressed or at least looked at, and the edition's only three months in, mm -hmm. then I, I think we're going to be fine. Yeah, and I think you know honestly the game's still fun. Um, yeah, it is fun, and that's why I'm going to. That's why I'm going to Nova, even though it's going to be an Eldar hell. You know? <laughs> like it'll still be a blast. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you pair an elder, you just you just kind of like disassociate a little bit, you know. And like... <laughs> yeah, there used to be like <laughs> there'd be moments years ago in you that in the basketball playing days where you just show up and you're like, oh, like this dude's just like six eight and quicker and faster and a better shooter and a better defender. So like, all right, I'm not. This is not for me. He's just better, and I'm going to attempt to pretend that this is a competitive game uh, in other ways. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, you learn to figure it out. Uh, <laughs> good one, man. Our favorite new Scotsman letting us know that food poisoning can, in fact, beat Eldar. Yeah, it seems accurate. There you go. <laughs> the other players say so. Just rub some raw meat on his on his balls. <laughs> Gosh. Oh, man. So do you feel like you got Nova coming up? Well, first of all, like, going into it, what do you – what are your goals? Are you showing up like, let's see how well I can do. Let's like see how this list can really do in a singles environment. Because I know it came out of like Germany's um, Germany's teams. I know from from the last episode of Stat Check that like Germany's team did like exceptionally well in a way that their record didn't necessarily indicate. Um, yeah, what are you yeah. looking to do? Yeah, that's 
Yeah, Germany was a super strong team, um, and their their placing, even though the placing was good objectively, like their placing also doesn't show like just how good they were. They were, they felt real strong. Um, I like their I like their demon list and the CK list a lot. Mm. Um, There's very both of them are just brutal and efficient, which I'm down for. Um, I guess. so, like, learning points I talked about um, after playing the GT, it was kind of like, okay, well, this going from, like, 10 dogs up to, like, 14, like, at this point now, I can just play, like, fixed. I don't have to, like, I don't have to mess around with the, the tactical game, get scammed anymore, that kind of stuff. Um, and it plays primary super hard. So just to have that that steady, reliable trickle of secondary uh, feels good. Um, so that was a that was kind of, like, a learning point. So I'm looking for, like, more data points like that. Yeah. I'm also going to be really paying attention to um, any of the factions that are kind of in that 55 to 45% win rate, aka factions that I don't expect to drastically jump around the power rankings post-status slate. I'm going to be paying really close attention to how those matchups go. Um, so m- matchups like GSC and Eldar, I'm going to be like, okay, yeah, I'll just deploy a lot. Yeah, like, I, like that kind of stuff, like, like stuff like Tyranids or stuff like Sisters or stuff like that or stuff like Eldar, Jesus, stuff that's like above and you know outside the power band, above or below. Like going to play, and if I if something you know insightful comes up, I'll I'll make a mental note of it. But I'm not really going to be. I'm just going to be playing. Mm-hmm. Um, but stuff that's a little bit closer, yeah. like Guard or Demons, mm-hmm. you know, or CSM and that kind of stuff. Um, obviously, I'm going to be looking to fine tune those matchups a little bit um, because. Those are the matchups I'm not really expecting to change very much post data slate, so right. that's useful to have points there. Um, I'm hoping, you know, I'm hoping that I can, um, you know, go back to bringing like one or two big boys post data slate, yes. um, depending on what happens, like if changes happen <clears throat> or the game gets more lethal, towering changes, because like, yeah, there's there's a lot that could happen, like maybe towering. So maybe towering, they you don't get to see the entire board, but like maybe also the entire board doesn't get to see you. Yeah. Maybe maybe some of those maybe some of those points changes get rolled back. Maybe they don't. You know. So there's a lot up in the air that um that could make it worth considering. I'm I've been converting up that sick lancer. Um, I think I think if that guy's high conversion looks so good. By Um, the way, Tim. (laughs) Yeah. I had to put a plug in it because I had to finish hobbying for Nova, but I I'm I'm very excited to finish that on. But I think um I think a single if you do like a 110 build, I think like a solo Lancer, solo Cascader, uh, solo Desecrator, I think those are all like super viable. Um, I would love to be able to do like a 2-7 build or 2-8 build um, and get some get some more big guys back in there. Like right now, the 14 dog list just feels optimal. And like obviously I want to, you know, kind of see how far I can take this. Mm-hmm. So I guess like that's the goal is just kind of like just, just see like what the limit of the list is. But also it's like the army is – like a 49% win rate army. I think maybe that's a little bit suppressed, you know, but it's, you know, and it's very much like a stat checky type army, but it, it will catch, it will catch people off guard. It does play the Warhammer well. Um, <laughs> and it will, it can definitely like catch people off and disrespect yeah. it. So, um, but yeah, I just love that. I was just going to go over to bond of like 28 thermal spear shots. You're just like, here it is. This is happening. Uh, it adds a lot of, lot of reliability. <laughs> Uh, it is when you get, sh- especially when like half of them move within uh, the melter range, it is brutal. <laughs> like just, just straight like war crimes. Um, it's 
it's a little bit rough. Um, but yeah, it's um, and then all the OC8 as well. Yeah, yeah. You can just, if you need to, you can just dogpile pun intended. And you're like, okay, well, here's here's 32 OC on the jet. Like, <laughs> Do you want it? I don't think you want it that bad. Well, that's why I've always done with Necrons because like I can't, I can't, I can't really kill Necrons. Like my profile is like not quite right yep. to kill Necrons, so I just, but they can't kill me. Right. He's not fast, you know. So my like I just deploy in line, and then if there's a center objective, you know, I just get there before they do. Uh, they try it, and Lichgard can wear you down because they can do the strat, and like now they get to like eight um, AP two and stuff like that with a high volume of attacks, winning on fives with some rerolls. Uh, the characters are like flat damage three, mm-hmm. so they can kind of chunk you. But the Doomsday Arcs can't shoot at you um, if you're in combo with the Lich Guard with the blast. So as long as you just keep the Lich Guard. They have to choose if they're going to try to like wear you down in combat or if they're going to shoot in, uh, with the doomsday arts. They can't do both. Right. Um, and they try if they run two lich guard bricks and they try to do the thing where, like one charges the other one like falls back, one charges the other one falls back. You save your CP for heroic intervention to keep to immediately retag the other one. And you're like, nope. Yeah. And so that 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 and at that point you just screen out their. Uh, you screen out like death marks and their tomb, their tomb blades, so all like all the little tertiary crap, like scarabs and that kind of stuff. So they can't do secondaries. And then at that point, you're holding three objectives there too, you know. And you you can do home, you can be in combat. And you just do homers because you're just eligible to shoot. Right. And they just at that point, you just run away with the score. But it's it's annoying because you can't kill them, but they can't kill you. It's fun. Oh man, love it. Necrons playing the way that I don't know. I feel like the Necron playstyle actually does feel the way that they're supposed to feel right now. It's it, frustrating to run into for sure. Yeah, it does. Um, I mean, I think I think maybe the power band on needs to be a little adjusted, but it definitely does feel like how they're supposed to feel. Yeah. Um, what's your prep look like? So you've got like you know got this GT under 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 your belt. Obviously, you're a WTC. Um, so you get to see it in action and like you know do your own thing. What's what's going through your head as you ran into this? Given those, given those goals. Um, honestly, as um as you know, like as you know, someone with a career, family, that kind of stuff. Yep. Uh, didn't really. Uh, one definitely wanted to take kind of take a break after after like a, a short break after WTC, like I didn't want to play for like a week after that. Yeah, I'm sure. um, and I, and I was, I wasn't even like doing like the team event, um, but it was just the travel and the time zones and everything, you know, it was just, it was just, I was just like, I don't want to say I was burnt out. Um, Cliff left so the skin all Adam when he gets back. Uh, I wasn't burnt out, but I basically just, you know, took, welcome back Cliff. You, you didn't miss anything. Um, <laughs> just- I took I took a I took a week off just to kind of like not think about 40k, um, and then I was kind of like okay well, you know I'll play I'll play a couple games to get ready for the GT, and then I'll just the GT will be practice for Nova, and then if I get practice between the GT and Nova, that's great. But I mean the no the GT ends Sunday, I fly out Thursday. You know, I have like four dogs that were like unpainted, so that's I'm probably just gonna have to hobby. Um, so I was, so I really was the entire time I was playing at the GT. Um, I was really treating it as like practice for Nova, so to speak, and it was just basically kind of like, just constantly just kind of rolling that momentum forward. It was kind of like, okay, well, 
War Masters is practiced for the Salt GT. The Salt GT is practiced for Nova. Nova's going to be practiced for um, for Crucible Orlando. Crucible Orlando is going to be practiced for GDW Tampa. And just literally just trying to like roll that forward. Um, like right now, I think I think uh, Chaos Knights are kind of like in that they're in that Goldilocks zone, mm-hmm. uh, which is good because it means I don't have to worry about them um, getting invalidated. All their all their bad matchups, all their bad matchups is is stuff that's like outside the power band anyhow. You know what I mean? Um, the only other one would be like I think Guard could be a rough matchup, but it's a little bit of a coin flip. Um, you know that matchup's not free for them either. That's with twenty eight thermal spears. You know, so it's very much like they're just as afraid of me as I am of them. Um, so that one, like you just hope you dodge or you just live the coin flip life on that one. Some people are not content to live with that i am i'm just it is what it is yeah. better be lucky than good i guess uh, <laughs> well, yeah that's that's that <laughs> yeah easy game's easy yeah yeah roll sixes gosh um are there like well i guess like what's your there's like other stat checkers going what's on the social agenda for nova which i'm Super sad about missing because it's right there. Some of my best friends live in DC. I've spent so much time. Yes, I love it. It's so great. So close to Philly. Um, the I think we're trying to find somewhere. I don't really have a head count yet. I was gonna try to get like a head count tomorrow, or whatever. But I was trying to see like somewhere that could like take like a party of like ten people, or whatever. Mm-hmm. There was that ramen spot. Oh yeah. But uh, one of, one of the local guys said they don't do reservations. I'm like, ah, crap. That, that we were all this close to greatness. Mm-hmm. Um. We're gonna to try to find something in Adams Morgan or Georgetown uh, that can do a, um, a reservation about ten people, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna to try to call ahead and just get uh, get something reserved for like Friday night. I think there's a bunch of spots um, on uh, U Street that also that mm-hmm. also turns into like a you know haywire bar scene after after the dinner hour run. Um, yes, yeah, so you can't find a spot in those two places. U Street's a good look. Yeah, I'll definitely check that out. I gotta, I gotta look at the schedule and see kind of like what time we're out of there because I figure like I'd like to get, I'd like to get something like an hour after the last round ends. I guess, so I gotta see what time that is. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to, I'd like to catch like the tail end of the dinner rush, but before like it starts becoming like a bar scene or whatever. Because at that point, it's like you're not really sitting down for dinner. Like while well, these places are trying to do like their their bar setup. So, but um, and then that way, yeah, because especially because you guys won't like. You want to be able to all like sit together, kind of communally, kind of like talk to each other. But if it's just like a bunch of like, you know, bar like stools and tables and stuff like that, it's not. You're gonna you're gonna like break it up into small groups. It's not gonna be quite what we're going for. Yeah. yeah. Um, we'll figure it out. I think right now we're trying to we're gonna try to do Friday to do something. Some people mentioned Thursday. I'm like, bro, I'm not. I'm gonna. Like, <laughs> I I leave Fort Lauderdale it's at at uh, six fifteen. Uh, the hurricane is going to be out over the off the coast of South Carolina at that point. Yeah. So it'll probably be rain bands extending inwards. So we'll probably our flight's probably going to get rerouted inland because normally from Fort Lauderdale to Reagan, you fly like right up over the water yeah. uh, to kind of just kind of like cut the angle. Um, but we're going to get routed inland. So that probably adds about 100 fly, fly miles to the trip. And then depending on um, what altitude those rain bands are, um, they might they might decide to deviate even further inland to avoid like turbulence or like convective activity or stuff like that, you know? So 
I'm fully expecting the possibility that like this flight, you know, maybe this two hour flight ends up becoming like, you know, a, you know, instead of getting the DC at like eight, maybe I get there at like 10 or something yeah. like that. Like, so I'm not going to, I don't want to like commit to anything Thursday night. Right. Plus, I mean, you may you may end up like me before LBO, where you're like, shit, I've got armature I still need to paint. Um, let me finish the basing up on this bad boy in my hotel room real quick. Yeah. 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 I mean, they were like, they were like, they were kind of had the base paints already. Um, I just had to go paint. They had to sit down, basically spent like four hours and did all the brass trim just straight through, no breaks. Um, that sucked. Hero. And <laughs> Hero. That's brutal. That sucks. <laughs> and um, and then I went back and kind of did like the metal piping and the chains on the top where the cockpit is and everything yeah. like that. And that's where they're. And then I varnished them. And that's where they're at now. And then either after the show or tomorrow morning, I'm gonna do a quick oil wash and base. Um, and then I'm gonna call them done. Um, the little the little tabards like in the in the crotch or whatever like. They're not gonna get done for the, on those four, or they're just not gonna get done. I'll do them afterwards, but I, I can I can do the decals and everything, and, and that's stuff that can like be done later right. and applied. And then the weapons, a lot of the weapons are like you're just metallic, or they only have like two colors, not three or whatever. But yeah, same thing though, or just metallic, like it's, it's fine. Yeah, but I mean, uh, they're they're fine. The, they're the weapons are identifiable, mm -hmm. you know, like the what the weapons on knights, like the last thing I do. Because if you have details, it obviously looks good if you have the details of the weapons. But if you if the rest of the night is done, people like tend to like overlook the fact that the weapons aren't done. It's just you just dry brush the metal and you're like, okay, cool, yeah. done. Like, are we good? We're good. It's awesome. Yep, pretty much. See Walensky. It's got a baby due November. You can feel nice. the one life running through him already. Congratulations, and yeah, man, get ready, get ready for that next one life. Yeah, get ready. It's uh, is this the first kid? I'm assuming the first kid he said he's about to feel like one life. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. Uh, Cliff, how many kids you got? Two. Two. Yeah. yeah. Um, how is how is going to two kids from one? It is. Uh, this will sound silly. It is simultaneously harder and easier than it seemed. Um, harder because you're just like significantly limited your time is further limited in a way you didn't think was possible after baby number one mm -hmm. kid number one and yet it it is uh, and then easier because you're like no longer some like wide-eyed amateur with respect to parenting you're like oh yeah i remember like there will be a time when i can sleep again i know what this means i know how to handle this i'm prepared whenever we go out with the appropriate like materials and baby stuff so it's like way way chiller in that way Makes sense. But yeah, the time, the time is <laughs> the time pressures are very real. <laughs> in a prestige mode. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing I'm noticing because I'm because we only have the one kid and um it is he's three and a half now. And we're definitely kind of I can kind of see like the light at the end of the tunnel where it's like, okay, I'm starting to kind of get my time back yeah. and everything like that. Um with my wife and I working like weekends you know and then she works night shifts um i looked out this year's schedule i only have straight day shifts which is awesome but i still work the week i still work the weekends um so even though it feels like we have to give like all of our money to daycare like at least that's still an option and he develops so much in daycare yeah. which is great he learns new stuff but yeah like the weekends i, I still kind of have to like figure out stuff so you have to do like the babysitter like luckily my parents are are uh empty nesters you know 
um, when my little brother, who's 13 years my junior, um, when he graduated, he joined the Marines, you know, they basically made plans to kind of move to basically kind of do a rotation and move and move and be close to each of the four kids for a while. And I think they were going to do me first because I was the oldest anyways, you know, but um, but then we announced we were pregnant and then they like they moved the like, entire all schedule. In a a year. <laughs> yeah, they moved it. The, they moved that timetable up a year. They, they ended up finding out like a, a cute little house like five minutes from us. So, like it couldn't have worked out. Like, oh, that's that great. Let's go. Let's go help. Yeah, it was awesome. But my my mom's like semi my mom's like semi retired, so she's still got to work, you know. But it's it ends up working out pretty well now. Um, so yeah, it's kind of getting to the point where we're like, okay, now I can actually like kind of like start going to events again, and stuff like that, yeah. you know. Um, but I'm always like, I'm always like a little bit nervous because I'm like I'm like, do you need anything? Can I leave? Are you okay? Like, yeah. well, look, I do anything like because I want to. I don't want to just be like, okay, see ya, you know, and like. <laughs> The house is a mess. Chores aren't done. Something she's asked me to do for three months isn't done, you know, like, and then you pile an event on top of that, you know, so I always want to be, it's always a little bit of like a, we good? We good? (laughs) Are you like just saying that we're good? Yeah. Yeah. No, she's, she's, she's super supportive. And especially after like WTC, like seeing like what the actual, like, like fraternal community kind of like, like wholesomeness is like and everything, you know, like now she like, she like really gets it, you know, that's cool. That's cool. So, yeah. And then also the, the trip to Belgium, like that was that was just like brownie points for <laughs> long time. That was buku brownie yeah. points. Um, yeah. That's, so that's that's pretty much the plan. Yeah. Nova, just kind of see what happens. But I mean it's I hate to say it because it sounds negative, but it's not. It's just kind of a fact. It's a, it's basically like a dead meta. You know what I mean? I don't think that's I mean that's uh, not wrong. I don't. I mean, like I said, I don't think that's a negative thing. I think if anything, that's free. Yeah. You know, unless you're unless you're trying to win the thing. If you're trying to win the thing, now you're like, ah, I gotta take Eldar. I gotta be the best Eldar player. I gotta function for the Eldar mirror, and it's a dead meta. Whereas everyone else, everyone else is just like Wee. playing free. Yeah. You're like I, I'm not going. Yeah. Exactly. Anything, so uh, let's have a good time. See how well I can do with this. But then after that, uh, I was gonna go to London GT, but we decided that would just be too much for the white and Victor and everything mm-hmm. like that. Um, so I think maybe next year I'll try to do London GT. Who knows? Um, it's it's definitely on my bucket list. I'm gonna do it within the next couple of years for sure. Yeah. Um, but I had that time off already. Um, so we're gonna split it up. Um, I have a bunch of family in DC that I'm going to try to see this this maybe like Sunday night. Mm-hmm. But I, if I can't, I'm gonna be right back. Um, they're they live down like uh, in the Warrington, Fauquier mm-hmm. County area. Um, so I'm gonna go see them. Um, but I'm also going to try to do Crucible, which is Orlando, which is a great um, major runs every year around Halloween time. They have a unique thing where they do three days, uh, two games a day. Um, and so it's just really, oh, really, really loud. Yeah. Well, because that's also, it's the right next to Universal and Disney. Um, so like and Halloween Horror Nights is going on. So it's nice because it's chill. And like, if you want to be able to get out of there and go do Halloween Horror Nights or Disney or stuff like that or whatever, you want to spend time with your family. Uh, it's a really good like, I think for, like that X and one like, you know, podcast demographic. It's really good for that yeah. because just man doing six rounds over three days feels like luxurious. I don't know how I don't know how else to describe <laughs> it. I, I love it. It feels so great. Yeah. Yeah. Um and then obviously GW Open Tampa. And then that's that's kind of it. Fall is usually kind of like fall is when I try to like do like all my events because mm-hmm. um 
for South Florida, air traffic control is slow around that time because yeah. you're not you're not really dealing so much with the weather. Um, and then you also aren't really dealing with the tourists either. So it's just like a nice like dead period. Um, and so it's just really easy to get time off and everything like that. And then uh, I don't know, maybe if I, depending on what things look like, I might come up there for the narrative. Um, Do it. Just to, just to vibe with people. Yeah. And um, yeah, I'll probably just I'll just probably bring something that I want to run, but I haven't ran like haven't got a chance to run this edition, like orcs or demons or something like that. Um, That'd be super fun. That'd and yeah, that's it, man. That's that's pretty much my plan for the next couple months. That's awesome. Pick up my tickets to Atlanta uh, a couple weeks ago. They were like randomly inexpensive, so I'm pretty excited about doing that. Hitting the narrative and doing exactly what you just described, just like mm-hmm. bring something that I would like to run. And see how it goes. Should be a good time. Also, just like love yeah. Atlanta, the city. Atlanta's a Atlanta's a fun city as long as you don't have to drive in it. Um, <laughs> if you have to drive in it, it sucks. But it's and the airport can be the airport is a little bit much sometimes. But it's um it's great from down here because it's just straight shot, uh like an hour and a half, not even hour and fifteen minutes flight, real close. Um, and then you just catch an Uber into the city and have fun. I I like Atlanta a lot. I'm pretty hype about it. All right, man. So I'm going to hit Nova and see how you do. Make that top cut per Ben. And, man. Uh, you know, seeing us the songs of 14 War Dogs throwing thermal spears down across the board. Spitting uh, fireballs, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fucked up. It's, it is a little messed up. Gosh. I can't. It's funny because, like, no, go ahead, go ahead. You have so you have so much firepower on tap, you don't actually really need the exploding sixes. <laughs> if anything, I use I use the exploding sixes where it's just kind of like, okay, well, I'm gonna dedicate a third of my army to this part and I'm gonna make sure just to make sure it gets done. I'm gonna smooth that out. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna yeah, then I and then you set up the other two thirds of the army to like shoot other stuff, but also to shoot backwards at whatever you're doing the exploding sixes in case for yeah. some reason you just don't it just it, it doesn't do what you think it's gonna do. Yeah, yeah. But you you just you just have so many activations. It's just absolutely absurd. It's great. So stuff like stuff like the orc lists with the um, it's got great profiles in the orcs, and like where the list try to do like the things like the orc list is really the one that's doing it where they try to like activation lock with like all the transports and everything. You just don't care. Yeah. You literally just don't care because you just you have so many activations where like they can't really. Um. You only need to use exploding sixes if it's like something like a gargantuan squiggle yeah. on the wound. It's like you're not gonna you, get more. And you literally, you, yeah, and you literally don't have anything else like worthwhile to shoot at. But like other than that, like you don't even need it, you know. And you, you can just you can just shoot, 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 and then you pop a transport, and then like the chain can is just like and the melts is just like light up whatever comes out. You know the the um the thermal spears are fantastic into squiggle riders. They're fantastic into trucks. Chain cannons are just fantastic into generic um, or bodies in general. Mm-hmm. So, it's just good. That because that, that list is is scary. Uh, if they get on top of you, it can be a little bit rough. But yeah, you put put a couple dogs forward, get them to blow the log turn, um, and then you just back up with the rest of them. Um, there's plays there. Gosh, it does, man. I'm scared about some of the other. I mean, there's like. That orc list that's just like, uh, I win the game now because I own primary. Good luck to you. Oh, see Walensky. Yeah. 
So Willinski, $5 super chat. Take my dang money. Appreciate you guys. We appreciate you, man. Um, this past weekend, there was a orc list that went four and one at GT that I really liked. Mm -hmm. It it basically um it looked like a hybrid of um Team USA list, but then it also had like the big monster that I love. Um it was I think like four trucks off the top of my head. It was I think it was like four trucks, gargantuan squig off. Um two beast boss, two beast bosses, two regular bosses. Four units of Beast Naga Boys, two units of regular boys, um, two units of two five man units of Power Claw Knobs, and I think like two units of Storm Boys. So it was just like it was just like bosses, bosses and boys in boxes. <laughs> but one of those boxes is Gargantuan Squig Off. Yeah. So, which I have, which I own a Gargantuan Squig Off now. Let's go. Love it. I'm not crazy enough to own multiple, but I, I do own one now. So I'm like, yes, I'm part of the club. Yeah. It's also, I've seen, I've, I've played against them. Like, I've seen them on the table before. I know how big they are. And yet, when it showed up in my house, <laughs> it was somehow like bigger than it's, it's like, I have a big head. It's bigger than my head. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. Uh, the thing weighs, it weighs like 20 pounds, too. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. So I feel I've got a um, Talnar in a box be assembled at some point when i feel like i'm up for the like multiple bolt holes and drill <laughs> drill bits i'm gonna have to use to like really assemble that thing i was just looking at it like, yeah how how do i even treat that's part of you like what <laughs> this thing this thing is even that hard to assemble you just have to but you just have to like saw off like the the resin like drain plugs or whatever <sighs> like like where it went to like feet and everything it's not that bad i have a small i have a small pole saw like for that kind okay. of purpose um but yeah, it's like body, yeah. head, tusk, a brick, brick of resin, and then and then, then howdah, and that's it. yeah, no, it's solid. It's <laughs> it's like the it's solid body with like the legs, and it's just that's it. I'm like, it's a it's a football, it's a solid football of resin. It. It's so ridiculous. Oh god, the one thing I wanted to talk to you about uh, live yeah. before we like jump into questions: tyrannid emissary slash Norn emissary slash assimilator uh, mm -hmm. are you also considering the hard pivot into big bugs as soon as that codex releases uh in the same um i will i've been kind of like soft collecting some of the tiered bugs um just like onesies and twosies especially because like the um the tiered half um has been like super under cost on yeah, ebay um you fools so i'm just kind of like picking up some small stuff there just like just like real non-committal, you know, just like a, a little bit of scratch burning a hole in my pocket. I'm just like, yeah, I'll just pick up some stuff. Um, so I got a couple of the small bugs. I got the, um, the Neuro Tyrant. I got three of the Screamer Killers. I have um, one of the Neurophages, whatever. Um, but yeah, I'll probably end up picking up some of the big bugs. Um, I think I'll do some testing and proxying because they're about, they're a little bit bigger. I saw I saw a picture running around yeah. of like the size comparison. It looked like it was a little bit bigger than an armager mm -hmm. um, on a smaller base. So I'll try to find something that's like like on a eight. Looks like it was on an eight millimeter base. Yeah. So I'll try to find something that's like tall and on an eight millimeter, and we'll do some testing. But I think um, I definitely want to try like the just the six norm list, which is <laughs> which will probably end up being like not good. But I'm I'm just gonna try it, just kind of see what. Limit does you know just do some limit testing 
and I'll probably try something a little bit more like realistic where it's like three Norns yeah. and then two or three and then some other stuff. Morning yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll end up doing some testing and see how I like it. I don't, again, like, I don't know. Besides GW Tampa, I don't really have any, any events coming up. You know, I'm going to throw my hat in again as a prospect for WTC. Yeah. And so we'll be testing them for that next year. But, um, between GW Tampa and then like WTC, I don't actively have anything planned. Um, so it's mostly probably just gonna be like TTS and test games mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, if there's if that's an option, you know, like I'm definitely if if big bugs become strong and I, and I can like and I can throw my hat, you know, for Team USA as like a a, a big bug enthusiast, like <laughs> I'm all for that. So yep, yep. But yeah, that's uh, that's playing there. The, the the data sheets look pretty decent. I need to see what their melee profiles look like. Um, and you see if they have any other special rules. I love the special rule they previewed. The um the similar not having a little bit of not having inbound that seems a little little sketch. A little suspect. Um because AP3 ignores AP3 and a two up save, but like AP3 ignores cover or like right. AP4, like it gets a little yeah. gets a little sketch town. Yeah. You know. And then T eleven. Now it's just like because mm. I'm thinking about also like Chaos Knights, you know, it's like um if you don't, if you aren't getting cover, if like, if the if the knights can move and, and um, deny you cover, and then then put you on a uh, a four up save, you know, but they're winning on fives because you're oh, t- toughness uh, eleven instead of toughness six, because they're toughness eleven, not toughness twelve, right. and the guns are strength six, you know, and that, it adds up. Yeah. Um, and it's it's not the only strength six gun, so I could have to see a world with like a lot of strength six and strength twelve shooting. Kind of messes you up a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, but there's there's a lot of factors to consider. But like right now, it's the emissaries off the first glance seem like the ones I'd gravitate to. Same. But like maybe, but maybe like there's a world where like the um, the assimilator could be like a rapid ingress threat or something like that. So, yeah, because the rapid ingresses hits the plus two charge, you know. Yeah, well, then start out, I start running into like, why not a trigun instead, or why not another trigun? You know, just for like bang for your buck. Okay. Exactly. I, I I have to see the whole book, but there's definitely a lot of ideas that floating around. Then you know, we'll test them and also kind of like see what other bug players are doing, kind of crimp their notes a little bit, and then especially as the first couple, you know, again because I don't have any events coming up, so the nice thing is I can kind of sit back and I can kind of wait um, for the community to kind of solve like the best list and then i can either just straight up rip that list or i can just rip the core concept mm-hmm. of the list or part of the list i like and then put my own spin on it you know do more to skew yeah i'm a little bit like <laughs> i tend to be worried about widespread access to advance and charge across models with more than six inches of movement in general and that appears mm-hmm. to be an option um and I think, I mean, it's like fun to play because you're running into this, like, essentially, like, all right, you've got one turn, like, figure this out. Like, that might not feel good. Um, Overwatch might assist with that a bit, but I don't think it's going to help a ton. I don't know. We'll see. I'm just the prospect of, like, you know, 80 plus models rushing across the table, hitting you hard in a universe where folks are not necessarily screening as hard as they used to uh, could be interesting. Yeah, well, especially because um, 
because you can do the like the typical like overload thing where it's like turn one you're just you're just moving up and you're trying to stage um yeah. to just you're just you're not trying to like get out in the open you're just trying to stage up board a little bit but safely and give nothing to shoot at and then turn two reserves come in stuff steps out behind walls everything pushes up and it's kind of like well you get to overwatch once One time. you know yeah. um what are you going to kill because everything else is setting up for charges or pushing in or whatever like and at that point it's it's just not enough you know and it's kind of like you instead of letting them get two turns, two turns of shooting at half your army, you just give them one turn of shooting at your entire army. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's like, can you deal with this? If no, then GG. <laughs> then lose. <laughs> See you later. Oh god. All right. Let's jump to these questions. Yeah, man. He said. Pull the thread. Look at Discord without Streamyard being angry at him. I got it pulled up. Uh, excellent question, Locker. There we go. Having a thread is so nice. It is. Uh, so from Grand Eights, no question. Just excited to meet stat check friends in person. I'm excited oh, to meet Grand nice. as well. Man, I'm so jealous. <laughs> I'll be, you should be jealous. Be I am jealous, though. You should be jealous. God, it's right there. Uh, from Dan F, will Nova results enforce the fact for GW that Elder are strong but not dominant? Is the breath of GW's data gathering? Seemingly any 40k data under BCP or TTP app, which Statric does, good or bad for the health of the game, and why? Um, Wait, there was there were three questions in there. Yeah, there was like a bazillion <laughs> questions. There. Well, yeah, let's, let's break that down. Uh, will no results enforce the fact that you are strong but not dominant? I think at this point things are already set in motion. They're yeah, not going to do. They're not. They're not going to. Yeah, they know what they're going to do. They might. They might do some fine tuning based on Nova. I think. I think they've. I think the broad strokes of whatever balance passes, whatever happening in the balance pass, I think are, at this point, most going to be set in stone. I think they're probably just looking for like outliers. Uh, I think Stu Black's going to be at Nova. Um, a lot of times they have people. They have the guys in the GW gray polo shirts with notepads. They'll like ask questions or they'll kind of like they'll kind of float around like the top tables, yeah. um, but occasionally go to other tables and they basically they have a way they want the game to look um so if they in addition to balance if they see stuff if they see a trend um on multiple tables of the game just not quite like looking right um they will they'll delve further into that and adjust that as well uh case in point would be like back in the heyday when you know CSM was cultist spam they that's where we started seeing like the whole you can only take you can only take cultists you know per you like battle line unit or something like that you know per core unit um because it was the codex called chaos space marines not chaos cultists you know or like death guard you can only take one box walker per core like unit or something like that um so even though some things aren't balance related like they they look for a lot of things uh in addition to balance and i think they're mostly going to use nova for like that kind of stuff it's kind of like okay here's what we're going to do for the balance pass and then nova is going to be like for the peripherals yeah. of everything else they kind of throw in there as well i think if they're trying but that's not big now go ahead Sam. You finish. oh yeah no I was, I was just wrapping up that thought i think i think that's what they're going to do if anything and that's not based off anything that's just based off like historical um what i've seen mm -hmm. in the past 
I think if they're especially proactive, they'll like assuming they've got they're like, okay, Eldar, clearly a problem. We're going to do something about it. GSC, a problem. We're going to do something about it. Um, maybe a few other things that are making them unhappy about the structure of the game. But if they're being really proactive, given what they know the changes are that they're about to implement, I would I would hope that they're then looking at like, okay, given those changes, what are some initial hypotheses about what we think will happen once that once that occurs? And can we see any instances of that playing out in any one of the, you know, like thousand-ish games uh, that are happening over the weekend and just see like, what are some potential things that they might want to start thinking about now before they become a problem um, four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks out? Um, I was booted. Uh, exactly, because otherwise, um, otherwise, because there, there's there's a lot of stuff that is also problems that is just not used, um, and it's there's there's stuff in the GSC book, there's stuff in the Eldar book, there's stuff like the Studies book that are problematic, but it's just slightly worse than like what the medalists are taking, and if you don't preemptively and and if and this is where GW has to be a little bit, you know, a little self-confident because when they hit those things that no one's taking, people are going to be like, oh, what the heck? No, like, no one's taking these. Why are they hitting these? Oh, a typical GW, blah, blah, blah. Well, but, but if you don't preemptively hit those things, you end up with, like, the the kind of whack-a-mole where, like, Eldar just shift to this or Custodians just shift to this or whatever. And we end up just kind of, like, with, like, eight months of angst like we did with Dark Eldar where they just pivoted endlessly over and over and over again. So... There's a little bit of like a holistic kind of view that we have to look at all that. Um, is the breadth of GW's data gathering, gathering uh, seemingly any 40k data entered in a BCP or TTB app versus what Statric does? 25 plus player GTs, good or bad for the health of the game, and why? Um, I'm not really sure the telemetry that GW uses, um, but the. I'm gonna I'm gonna riff and hypothetical and clip. This might be a little more in your ballpark, so definitely take over if I'm just like talking nonsense. But I would like to assume that if they're looking at it, they're they're at least cleaning it up a little bit. Like if someone makes a bunch of games, you know, but then like doesn't finish them because a lot of times people like start the app game and they'll play, but then once the once the game is kind of going to its logical conclusion, they just kind of get lax right, on right. like updating the scores and that kind of stuff, yeah. you know. Um, so it can cause a lot of like trash data. Yeah. But assuming they have some sort of way to like clean that up, um, it's not necessarily bad if they look at that for balancing the game. Uh, I'm just going to keep talking until I can re-add Cliff. Um, it's not necessarily bad that they, they balance off of that. Um, because they are ultimately like the they are balancing for the entire player base, not just the top 10% or the top 5%. Um, so even though competitive tournament players can be good canaries in the coal mine um, for finding stuff or identifying stuff that's problematic, um, they still at the end of the day have to kind of at least look at, you know, the games that are not ever making it to a tournament yep. table as well. And it's, it's hard because when you have people that are not playing competitively um, and make maybe they're not like really up to their rules or they're just kind of playing like with their gut instinct versus cracking open the book, seeing how the rule works, and they're making substandard list choices, blah, blah, blah. Um, 
I guess what I'm getting at is when you have two people in a tournament and they both know like why they're there uh, and they're going to play, they're going to play and they're going to be sportsmanlike, but they're going to try to win. And they're both going to try to like, at least in their minds, optimize the list. Um, that's as close to an objective as you can get. And so when both players are being playing objectively, optimally, that reduces the variability and allows you to kind of like solve for X better, you know, but then the day it's like to get philosophical, the game is for everyone. Um, so they do have to make sure that the people that aren't doing that um, get looked at, even if it's a little more like subjective. Yeah. I think there's like, this will be a little bit of like toot our own horn. I don't think that there is a better, I'm not even, I don't think, there is not a cleaner set of data with respect to the competitive meta of Warhammer 40k than what we collect and display. Um, like that's. At least not, not at least not publicly. We don't have we have no idea what's going yeah. on internally with Games Workshop or anyone, you know, anybody else like that. But like we Jeremy does a lot of excellent work cleaning that data. We all collectively look at it and then we try to do a really good job putting out thorough analysis that covers a lot of bases because we know that any individual data point is not useful for making large scale decisions or drawing large scale conclusions about the meta. Like it's not just win rate, it's like how often do they go four and oh, how often do they go three and oh? Uh, to start an event, how frequently um, is it played in the first place? Because like a, a faction that's being played by 1.5% of players but doing really well is not really yet a problem in the meta. Um, how off, like how many points are they winning by? How many good matchups do they have? How many bad matchups do they have? Are they a gatekeeper faction? Um, is it an 80% chance to win, which we simulate using a polynomial uh, regression? Like. How it's getting eighty percent chance to win a game? How many points do they have? Is there a spread between them? Like we track a lot of these data points simultaneously, so we can talk in like a pretty, uh, to use the word again, a pretty holistic way about save the meta and the competitiveness of any given faction. I think it's also worth noting that like we do know that Games Workshop, at minimum, reads our stuff, and I would assume is also aware that on the website where they read our stuff, they can also find the dashboard that displays the competitive results for every single five round 25 plus player game that's played in the world for every game. So that is like, I would hope and assume, you know, if they're not already like, please, please, please be welcome to uh, assume that Games Workshop is taking a look at our data too and using that to inform the larger aggregate data body that they're working with. Because to Tim's point earlier, like the most competitive players identify the problems first and then they go and play <laughs> using the problematic stuff because they're trying to go and win games. Um, and while folks that are playing like in their backyards or random like friendly RTTs or Thursday Night Warhammer over at their FLGS are trying to, they're also trying to win. Um, they're having friendly games, but like that information makes it to them too. And like those lists change over time and that affects the play experience for both um, people that are new to the game and people that are old and people just trying to have a good time. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, I think it's net positive that there's so many different kinds of analysis. I do wish that um, folks were a little bit better about presenting any caveats associated with either their data collection <laughs> or the um, win rates associated with it. Yeah. And I mean, just at a glance to this quadrant uh, here, so I can zoom, zoom in a little bit. <laughs> I yeah, love that. Is, I mean, this is this is my this is like my favorite part 
of the um the data i think i don't know if it was like i i don't know if i was the one that came up with the uh like the terms or the ideas of the different quadrants meaning something generically <laughs> or whatever or i don't even remember but i i definitely remember when we had the conversation where we we just kind of when we had this before we had the quadrants and i was kind of like looking at it and i was kind of like okay well this top right is like the problem area and so we just started talking about like like anything that's top right is yeah. a problem you know blah 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 and then it was kind of like and then we kind of eventually we figured out we're like okay well you know top left is like mid-table menace you know where it's like the army the army is carrying people yeah. a little bit but it's the ceiling is the, the potential ceiling is basically another way of saying potential of an army um where at a certain point if you get a high enough skill the army starts holding you back um and that was kind of like the quadrant one the mid-table menace quadrant three it was just like Bro, even even vets can't make yeah. it work. It's, it's that bad. Up. And then, and then yeah, and then we and we we had for a while that one of the quadrants was called like the what the fuck quadrant. <laughs> I, I can't remember which one it was, but yeah. And then and then quadrant four was just kind of like yeah, you can quadrant four is basically quadrant two but in hard mode. It was kind of like you know people who wanted to snowflake a little bit. And they wanted to win events, but they wanted to like have their skill expression yeah. too. Quadrant four is feel, like, feel special. Feel special about quadrant it. Quadrant four is what you send to your buddies that play in that quadrant. In that quadrant right now are Dark Angels, Chaos Space. No, that Chaos Space right. Dark Angels, Admech, and I don't know what that is. Uh, but that's the that's what you send uh, to your me... friends who play those factions. You tell them to get good. <laughs> if they're playing. I can I can say it's. It's Dark Angels, Chaos Space Marines, uh, Adeptus Mechanicus, Jakari, and Space yeah, Wolves. So if your buddies are complaining about having a hard time with those factions, just screenshot that uh, quadrant and say, like, hey, man, you should, like, get better. <laughs> You'll do better. Yeah. Have you, tr have you tried getting good? <laughs> and Mc13. Thanks so much, man. We spend, you know, we spend a decent amount of time thinking about it. We've got, like, like... Again, Tudor No Horn. I don't think there's like a more sophisticated collection of people thinking about the metagame and the data with respect to like playing the game combined with like just like weird statistical expertise. Um, we've got this odd combination of both of those things with like a lot of expertise on both ends, and it's great. So appreciate you. Appreciate you. And yes. hope it's useful. And always let us know if there's anything else you'd want to see or that would be useful because we can do what we can to make those adjustments in real time. Yeah, I love the data. Uh, as someone who, again, excellent lifestyle, um, as a parent, um, as a father, husband, uh, you know, career career man or whatever, I don't, I don't really have the time anymore to really like lay yeah. the groundwork for innovation for a faction, um, and that's kind of where I see a lot of people uh, kind of spin their wheels a lot is they want to be the ones to lay the groundwork um either if it's a new book or whatever and what's it's like a race you know and when it's a new book yeah everyone you know you have some you have some people who like you know either are content reviewers or friends of content reviewers and have a little bit of an advantage eventually everyone ends mm -hmm. up in the same spot um and i it can be and we talked about this before we talked on the statue discord yes it can be fun to play test can be fun to innovate or whatever but when the book is solved, um, when the book is solved, so to speak, and the and its matchups are known and the strengths and weaknesses are known, um, 
if you are still playtesting and trying to lay the groundwork for a solved book, you don't get to complain about not having enough time to compete, you know, because you need to be working on learning your matchups and learning your win conditions, your lose conditions, and like just getting reps and reinforcing your fundamentals of 40k not you know you need to get out of the lab like you need to put down the beakers and the graduated cylinders and stuff like that that work has been done it's been done for months it's been done for weeks right and you're just spinning your tires you know if you got a gt coming up you can't be trying to like lay down the groundwork for a solid book like two weeks out you need to be getting those reps an army you don't know how an army that you don't know how it works you know like you don't ever want to like like have rep zero be like round four to gt when you're tired and then like Next thing you know, you're back at dinner with your boys, and they're like, yo, what happened? They're like, oh, I didn't know the fashion could do that. You know, like, well, you could have if you had just – if you just took a solved concept and, like, gotten reps with it, or, you know, or, like, spent that time, like, you know, finding a TTS game. Like, because if you don't find someone locally who plays it or finding someone to proxy it and you try to figure it out together, like, oh, no one plays Necrons locally? Get with your buddies. Be like, hey, let's just figure this out together. Especially if they're going to the event with you and they're worried about that matchup too. Like, do you know what this does? I don't know. Do you know what this does? Let's figure it out together. Let's both take, let's both, let's both practice being op for, you know, I'll be the Necron player. You be the Necron player. You know, you get to proxy a little bit, you know, do that kind of stuff. That is infinitely more useful than trying to, like, you know, reinvent the wheel, so to speak. Yes, innovating is fun. And do what, do what brings you joy. Like, if you have, I didn't mean to get, I didn't mean to get in the soapbox here, but we're committed now. <laughs> it's a good soapbox, um, too. Yes, innovating, coming up with new stuff is fun. It is cool. But also, you just got to remember, like, if you're a parent or you, if you're a husband or if you're just limited on time, you your time is a finite resource. Um, and you have to be – if you're not efficient with it, it will show in your results. So just something to think about. Um, where were we? Questions. Uh, sorry about that. It's just like I don't, I don't want to say it's a pet peeve, but I, I do think it's one that I – I think it's worth reiterating because I think a lot of times, like we just, I, I feel like I have to say that over and over and over again. Like it's okay to netlist, if not full list, just netlist concepts. You know, outsource, outsource the initial groundwork and innovation to people that have way more yeah. time than you. You know, and then just crib their notes and then iterate based off that to kind of like fit That's it to your like, model game. available. It's all good. Yeah, you just you just take the shortcut. You meet them at the finish line and then you <laughs> run the last. Last hundred feet, easy. Um, all right, Josh H. Uh, with without knowing what GW is changing, what do you guess the new Eldar win rate will be after next balance pass? Fifty-five to sixty-five. Unless so, there's two. There's two scenarios. Scenario one, they try to take a reasonable, thoughtful approach. They do like the most obvious nerfs, uh, and then some light touches elsewhere. Then they drop fifty-five to sixty-five. I say that because that book is very deep. And to Tim's point earlier, like there are options in that book that are great that aren't used because the existing options that people are using now are just outrageous, right? They're like really good. Why would you bother with anything else? Or scenario two, they crater the whole thing and it sits at like 45 to 50 maybe for the next two months. Like they really put them in the penalty box. I think the first scenario is more likely than the second. Um. Yeah, it it depends. It really, it's really going to come down to hard, how hard they commit on points, really. Because yeah. I think 
So the big thing is that Eldar is, in addition to being undercosted uh, and having the best the best stratagem that's ever been printed in the history of Warhammer, <laughs> they are they are at the nexus of a lot of the feels bad mechanics of 40k yeah. currently. Um, so you have your blast, you have indirect, yeah, you have towering, obviously. you have dev wounds, stuff like that. So I think I think. Um, if they address all those core issues, like if Dev Wounds gets addressed, if Towering gets addressed, if Indirect gets addressed, um, I don't think it will, but if Blast gets addressed, so all these are going to like nibble away at the the core power of Eldar before you actually get to the Eldar nerfs themselves. Um, and that could be like a cumulative like death by a thousand cuts sort of thing. Um, and like, I don't want anyone's factions to be unplayable. <laughs> however, um, however, I mean, we, we, we see what we see it with Iron Hands. We see it with with our. We see it with Six Flyer Admech. You know, when when one when one faction is like pushing everything else down, like the game just kind of like slowly dies. You know, versus when one faction is underpowered, the game still lives. So, I mean, like, yeah, it sucks when you're a faction, you know, if you only have one faction, your faction gets put in the ground. Yes, that obviously sucks. That's not ideal. However, it's probably best that they get put to 45% and then slowly built back up, you know, to somewhere that's decent. And then once they kind of hit that Goldilocks zone, they're kind of like, all right, then they ease off of it. Um I think there is a real opportunity that they could do this right, just if nothing else, because of the scale that I think that this ghastly change is going to be. Uh, like I said, if they address towering, if they address indirect, if they address dev wounds, uh, if they address blast, um, if phantasm, let's say I think phantasm um, to CP and and the timing changes to start of the start of the phase, um, because that way. That way the elder player doesn't have all the information you know so it's like okay start of start of your movement phase two cp phantasm boom move now now you start your movement phase with that information still powerful stratagem but it doesn't just like immediately like brick your turn you know and then and then the undercosted units get you know units get bumped up in points cumulatively all those maybe probably like lands them in the right spot it's possible, um, but also it's like the more the more levers you pull, the more variables uh, you have in a problem. But I I think that's I think that's I think like I said if they if they address the um, core game issues that Eldar are kind of like the nexus of, Phantasm goes to CP start of the start of the phase, and then they um, and then they point twenty percent points to pretty Oof. much everything. I, I think I, I I think I think at that point Eldar probably like land around like forty five percent, which is still very extremely yeah. playable. Um, and at that point they can adjust from there. But it's it if they don't if they swing and they miss, we end up in a dark Eldar situation where it's just we're just languishing for like eight months, you know. So I think I think they're afraid of doing that, and I think they're going to yeah, come out so Strategically, it's the right move. Like you want to hit it too hard and then bring it back up rather than let it ride again for another eight to ten weeks that's just not really doable yeah and i get it it sucks i've, I've had armies that have been cratered it sucks um 
I always this is why I always recommend having a couple armies uh, if you're in this game for the long haul. Um, but I mean, it just is what it is. I mean, can't let can't let the game die. Uh, Ape of Justice James preferred brew method for coffee. Um, man, I am for me personally, I just like a simple uh, French press. Mm. I. We use a coffee machine that has like a burr grind at home. So we just do that. And that's maybe not my preferred taste, but it's definitely the way I drink 99% of my coffee these days. It's good. I don't know if it counts, but I mean, I love those uh, those nitro brews, oh. but that's that sounds like something that like I wouldn't be able to do at home. in my home. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. It just it just sounds very yeah. exotic, whatever, but they taste good. So, um, it's like feels like cold brew with extra yeah. steps. I don't know. I should probably look at my list Yeah, they are so good. Um, Frank, I asked in the main show too, but what would the Marine Codex need to have in order to make Gladius not the default detachment choice? Um, uh, it's, man, it's just Gladius just gives you just being able to like right click people's units and get full rerolls against them. It just makes it makes bad data sheets good. It makes good mm -hmm. data sheets great. Um, and then even then, if you start bringing data sheets like eradicators or um, that have full rerolls versus armor or things like lancers that get one one hit reroll and one win reroll, um, even then it doesn't even really devalue those because now those can like split fire, you know. Um, so that you have that immediately, uh, then the, you know, for the doctrines are great. You have, I don't know if that's tied to detachment now, but like you have the advanced in charge, you have the, um, you have the, uh, advanced to shoot for the, uh, devastator doctrine, well, that might be army rules, but, um, Gladius just, it's kind of like invasion force for the Tyranids. It just is such a good take all mm -hmm. comer. Kind of thing it's just a little it's just a little too good at everything yeah um, i'm not you you'd have to nerf it right and then do something with the data sheets and the codex to make yeah them. it's 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 at the point where like the codex would have to come out and it would have to be like oh at the moment it would have to be like reroll ones yeah. to hit and wound um and then that then it stops suffocating other choices um because like it's just combined with the rest of the rules, it just gives you a little too much of everything. And then, like that's the thing. Like once you you have like data sheets or like, oh, this data sheet is a really great tool, but it just doesn't have enough muscle to get over the line. Well, it's like, well, then you just slap, <laughs> you know, oh, the moment. Yeah. And now now it does. Easy. And and just so many more things are just kind of like, okay, well, now I get this rule and I don't have to pay for it with output, you know, or lack of output, because now I just slap it at the moment, I get the output I want. Um, yeah, so that's some core probably... codex adjustments to, like, make other things relevant. Um, yeah, because at that point, at that point, like, once you get that kind of, like, power level, the only thing that really competes is just something that's, like, ludicrous mobility. Mm -hmm. um, so if, like, if there's a, another detachment there, just, just like a White Scars type of detachment, and it just has, like, insane mobility, then, like, you could see 
you would see people go like Gladius for just raw power. You see people go for like the, you know, other detachment for mobility, that sort of thing. Because you're you're either moving or you're killing people or you're doing both. You know, like at that point, because the the way the game works is you the game predominantly a 40k historically likes uh, killing power and mobility. Um, because when you have a unit that kills everything, and then you have a unit that is durable and tanks everything, when they yeah. meet each other, the durable unit has to die. Because when it doesn't, the game breaks. The game blue screens to death, it breaks, people complain, blah, 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 Seabor Leviathan. So that's why, like, usually damage and mobility are king, you know? Yeah. So that's... I don't, I don't really know where I'm going with that, but yeah, I, I think you would have to... You just have to be, like, a nerd version of Gladys. Yeah. I would say rerolls of rerolls of one to hit the wound would probably be if fine. You could, if you like nerf, if you nerf oaths so that it's not as outrageous for everybody, then mm -hmm. then you have a little bit more freedom in the detach on the detachment side. Because right now, I think there actually is like like I think the death watch death watch detachments better than Gladius. And I think that that's because it's applied okay. a level of... Amic, Amic uh, set us straight. Os is yeah, yeah. Old that's what I'm saying. Like, you'd have to, in order to make... If you want more flexibility on the detachment side, you've got to do something about the core rule. Because depending on mm -hmm. what detachment stuff you're using, any, like, just... Throwing in with full rerolls on both ends of the like journey to successfully saving just causes too much trouble, right? Like you've got to you've got to do something about the core army rule in the core books, and then likely just tune up some of the data sheets that Oaths is like making up for, um, in order to add like more effective diversity on the detachment end. Yeah, it's just the um, a lot of it's going to come down to the strategy yeah. Yeah, too, because. Um, Gladius has really good stratagems, and then obviously it has a banger of an enhancement with the uh, the bolter discipline for the uh, the exploding fives. Um, you didn't miss much, Cliff. I was just saying that the bang, bang, banger enhancement, banger strategy. Yeah. Um, that's the biggest. That's the big thing with Gladius is it just has um, between the doctrines and the stratagems and everything. It just, you just have so many tools, and you're so adaptive. Which is what Marines are supposed to be. Um, it feels good. I think the detachments feel good. It's just the oaths. It's the... Yeah. It's just kind of like there's no, it doesn't really feel like there's like any kind of drawback, you know? Um, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, I would, yeah. Turkey Baster oh, says, uh, maybe remove the, the wound reroll from most, tweak the army from there. Um, yeah, that should, should I, be rare, man. Full wound rerolls is crazy. Like, well, it feels like it feels like if anything, it feels like they have tied more stuff to the wound roll in tenth edition than in eighth and ninth. Yeah. Um, it because there's a lot of there's a lot of like plus one and minus one to wound. There's a lot of wound rerolls. There's a lot of reroll ones to wound. Um, but it seems like in tenth edition, it seems like hit rerolls have gotten a little more rare, mm -hmm. uh, which ups the power of stuff like stealth a lot. Yeah. Like when you're minus one to hit. Uh, a lot of like a lot of troop units in a lot of armies are like reroll ones to wound, except if condition is met, then you reroll all wounds, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, which I think they did that a little bit to combat the um, 
the spread of like a lot of stuff getting higher toughness is they basically um they made hit rerolls more rare and they made plus one to hit more rare and then they they started tying more stuff to the wound roll mm-hmm. plus one to wound minus one to wound reroll wounds so i think i see why they did that um but still i think probably probably i think i'd go the other way with it i think i'd i think i'd leave the wound reroll and i'd um and I would take away I take away the hit rerolls because mm. you have stuff like inceptors. Inceptors are quinlinked anyways. Yeah. So yeah. if they lose the hit reroll, that's you know, that is you know a big power hit there, but they still reroll wounds. Um and now it also gives you freedom of like now you don't feel like you have to go for your O's target, you know. But it also doesn't make them like just insane either. Yeah. Um so I don't know. It's an interesting question. It's just what happens when you have like so many rules and stats. Yeah. Um, as much as like you know, a lot of people like to blast GW. A lot of times, I don't, I don't envy the job of writing rules for a game this complex. So, yeah, it's so hard. Um, that one guy, John. Time limited, model limited, and bandwidth limited on deployment. How do I stay sharp, keep up with the meta to jump right back in a few months? Um, so first of all, I would just say. Play straightforward armies would be the easiest way. Um, if you're model limited, then custodies and imperial knights are generally pretty ever evergreen. Mm-hmm. Um, those really don't change yeah. um, from addition to addition too much. Um, I cautiously would say space marines. Um, it's hard because like they're they're kind of an army as a subscription service, as Anthony and I like to say a lot. But but maybe we're kind of getting towards the end of that with the 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 sunsetting of the first form line. Um and now it's just kind of like, hey, you got your heavy weapon dudes, you got your assault dudes, you got your characters, you got your tanks. It's just pretty straightforward, you know, and they're just generically good at everything. Um I think um 40k is still at its core, still 40k. You know, you got your secondaries, you got your primary, you play the primary mission, you kill the other guy. Um, if you commit too much stuff and you miscalculate the clapback, then the game can kind of just end a little bit faster than you're expecting. You know, that's that's been pretty standard for the last couple of editions. Um, the hardest thing is that uh, deployment, again, it's the hardest thing to get right. Because the feedback and deployment is usually so delayed that if you make an error in deployment, a lot of times you don't you don't realize it and you never actually get that feedback in a timely manner and that feedback can get misconstrued for somewhere else. So I always recommend um, re-rack sessions because if you do re-rack sessions, you get that timely feedback on deployments in those first two turns. So uh, play a simple straightforward army. Um, if you're really model limited, I would recommend Imperial Knights Custodies to get you right back into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, immediately if you're um if you're willing to invest a little bit more uh into models and that kind of stuff then i would recommend just space marines they're they're very good straightforward army um and and do re-rack sessions you know and just simple game plan do the re-rack focus on your deployment focus your first two turns um and then just just get those reps in slowly just kind of you know at that point expand from there nice um Nothing to add. Stay on. Uh, from Preston, how many bases can you fit in your mouth? <laughs> um, 
What size? 25s, 28s? Yeah, what's that? I say it was 20, 25. I feel like you like probably like, hmm, probably like 50, 30, maybe 40. 50, 50, 50 seems 50. like a lot. Yeah, well, I mean, I, like I would, I would die afterwards, honestly. <laughs> like, that's, I'm just saying, like, max capacity. Like, they wouldn't, I don't think they'd come back out after that, but like, physically, they could fit in there. <laughs> Love it. I don't know what's more, what's more impressive, like, like doing a bunch of 25 millimeter bases or like fitting like a car on night base in there, like, just. Oh, that'd be serious. Yeah. Maybe the night base is more impressive. Maybe. Yeah. I think I think like maybe I think maybe I can get like an 80 mil. Yeah. I don't think I, I don't think I can go about that. Oh god. Maybe a 60 mil. I don't know. Could you imagine like your wife walking in on you in that? <laughs> and like, kind of... like, I'm sorry, what is happening here? Are you or worse it gets you get stuck, you have to ask her to help you. Yeah, yeah. Oh god. You you have to explain that, yeah. Um, what are these questions, man? Dan F, which 40k model has the best mouth feel? <laughs> um, nothing from Forge World, right? Because resin's probably not that's not great mouth feel. Yeah, I don't, no, I'm not putting resin in my mouth. Um, what's what's the roundest 40k model? It's got to be one of the squigs, right? One of the squig riders, yeah, maybe. But like without the rider on it, yeah. Oh, maybe the uh, yeah, it's got all the spikes around it. I was gonna say, what's that Sigmar Eternal spell that's just like a round, it's like pur purple sun, maybe that. Oh, that thing's spiky, it's spiky, damn it. Yeah, it's like a puffer fish. Oh my God, that's it. I don't know. I think, like, yeah, I think, like, yeah, like, I think a squid hog rider, but then you. Yeah. Don't put the armor on. You don't put the rider on. I think that I think that would be my. <laughs> uh, from Richard, I'm due to play my first ever GT, but it's not until early next year due to childcare and family commitments. I'm I'm really excited, but time is really tight generally. So, what are things I can start to prepare ahead of time aside from trying to finish painting my army? Uh, are there any things that are good to have with you at GT that help keep help keep things going smoothly, whether with the game or on a personal level, keep you in better condition? Of course, two days. All right, I'm gonna split this up. Um, so first part, uh, time is tight. So what can you do to prepare ahead of time? Uh, best thing you can do, I would say right off the bat, is if you know what army you're going to play, know your data sheets cold. Just know what they do. If you if you if you're not having to spend time like looking them up or whatever, that helps so much. Um, like know your Know your range profiles, know your movement values. Um, I'm just going to keep talking until Cliff comes back. Um, know many, how many attacks you have. If you have like extra attacks, you know, those are all good things to do. Like your your war gear abilities, that kind of stuff. Um, so know all that cold. And then also just see what people are doing. Like see what a successful list of your faction looks like. Um, so... Go into the stat dashboard, go into stat check, see what it looks like, see what your good matchups are, see what your bad matchups are. I highly suggest just paying a couple bucks a month for a BCP subscription. That way you can go and you can basically sort, you can filter it by your faction and be like, see what's going three and two, see what's going four and one, um, and identify trends of, of what a successful list looks like. And if you know your army cold and then you identify what... Um, a successful army looks like for your army, then you can see those synergies. Um, 
also plug out to uh, shout out to Goonhammer right now. They are going through, they do this at the start of every edition, but they're doing a um, competitive focus on every single faction. Now that we've had some time to live with the new edition and everything like that with example, with example lists. And they basically talk about like the play style. They talk about what the army's trying to do. They're talking about how it scores primary, how it scores secondary, what the kind of like the big moneymaker combos are, that kind of stuff. Those are really good things to get you acquainted. Uh, once you know that, the next best thing you can do is learn what other armies do so you don't get surprised at the table. Um, and you basically want to approach every other army like it's an army you're interested in starting. Like, okay, well, if I'm interested in starting this army, how do I do it? You know, and that will take time. But if you, you know, this is, this is nice because this is not something that you need to dedicate or carve out time to go play at the game store or your gaming table to do. This is stuff you can just do on your phone, um, you know, while you're at break at work, if you're allowed to use your phone at work or that kind of stuff, or just, you know, for like 15, 30 minutes, you know, um, at night, after dinner, that kind of stuff. This is just something you can slowly kind of accumulate and kind of get familiar with and be like, okay, what are the, what are other people taking? What are the common trends? Blah, that kind of stuff. Um, and then once you actually do get your play time, um, that I assume is limited, now you can do the stuff where you, you know, definitely play some full games, of course, but like do the re-rack sessions so you can practice your um, your deployments in your first like two turns. And at that point, if you've done everything else, if you know your data sheet's cold, if you know what a competitive looking um army for your faction looks like if you know what other factions do what they're trying to do that kind of stuff and then you kind of like do those rerack sessions to really kind of like you know get the nerves out and you know get the get the rust out you know do the little shakedown sessions um and you have a solid deployment you have a solid first two turns you're going to just generally do well and you're going to be less stressed you can focus more on just playing the game i know that's a lot of work but it's a it is a complicated game I know a lot of people try to make it sound like it's not complicated, but it's a complicated game. Um, so those are all things you can do. That's kind of how you get to yeah. your fundamentals. Two two things. One, very nuts and bolts related to playing the game that I think will help make it a little bit easier. And then one related to just like prep for events. One thing is like knowing your math cold helps a lot. Like knowing given the units that you have in your army and what you would like to remove from the table from your opponent's army, just knowing like, okay, it'll take me if I want like a 90% chance this thing leaving the table, I've got to apply four thermal spheres to it, six thermal spheres to it, five with re-rolls, like whatever, whatever that math looks like, you should know that because that'll help you make decisions about target priority and sequencing really quickly at the table um, instead of needing to like accumulate that through experience. And that you can do without interacting um, on the table since you're limited for time, just like bust out a calculator or just like roll it out while you're sitting at your desk um, and see how it goes. The other thing for like prep, is like comfortable shoes <laughs> if you can get I have, I have newfound respect for like supportive insoles after being in physical therapy for my achilles tendons for the past two months uh, two prophylactic painkillers like pops and advil in the morning you're gonna do a lot of walking around three eat high quality snacks get a good breakfast not like a shitty one um and bring like some granola bars fruit um random veggies if you can swing it try to find something tasty for lunch if there's a break uh, on like a three round day uh, and stay hydrated 
like do all that stuff and you'll feel a lot better physically during the actual event, which will help with your decision-making, help your general stress levels, you'll feel better, it'll be great. Uh, yeah, and I'm gonna let's see if this works. I'm going hey. to do a little something fancy. So uh, that is a good point. It's something we talked about. Um, it's something I talked about with uh, teammates when I'm practicing, and that is knowing your lines. Uh, you talked about knowing your math. I think um, it's a good little seg segment, a little segue we can do is knowing your lines. Um, what does knowing your lines mean? Well, it means when you look at your opponent's list um, and you start thinking about this because this usually comes up in deployment, you need to have a rough idea of, okay, well, what can I realistically kill? What what do I need to kill? What can I kill? But then you need to make sure that you are kind of mirroring your opponent's deployment so that can happen when you need to happen. So what does that, Tim, what does that mean? Well, let me, let's talk about it. Uh, let's say, draw a circle. This is, we're going to get really kind of abstract here. Let's say my opponent has a unit of, and this is going to be just addition of agnostic, um, let's say my opponent has a, a Death Star of Mega Knobs, and you're kind of like, okay, well, his Mega Knobs are super tough. Um, I really only have one unit that can deal with them. You know, I have some shooting that can kind of like help, like, you know, push the math in my favor. But ultimately, I need to get my Terminators into his Mega Knobs, and that needs to happen on my terms. Well, you need to make sure that you don't drop your Terminators before he deploys his Mega Knobs, because if you put your Terminators, you know, over here, and then he puts his mega knobs like way the crap over here, and then they immediately start moving this way. Well, now you're trying to like do this weird chase thing, you know, like that. Or if, um, or for example, let me go back here, or he does that, right? And you're kind of like, okay, crap, that's not great, but I'll move sideways. Maybe I'll, maybe we'll just meet in the center. Um, but then you are like, okay, well, he's got some armor, you know, he's got like some vehicles or whatever, you know, that are, are here. Well, I need to get my shooting or my guns into them, but then you kind of mess up and you kind of drop it over here. And what ends up happening is your terminators have to go this way, but then your anti-armor has to go this way. See how they kind of cross over each other like that? Now, granted, in 10th edition, you can kind of move through units a little bit, but you can't have models occupying the same space, you know, especially if you're trying to, like, hide them behind terrain, stuff like that. So what really needs to be happening is you need to make sure that as things are getting dropped, you know, so people are going to generally kind of drop their screens kind of like, like this. They're going to drop their long-range stuff kind of back here, Characters will kind of be like here, like this. But you need to make sure that as they're dropping their real kind of power units, you know, the units that they're actually going to use to play the mid game, you know, because this stuff up here on the front, um, all this stuff right here, the screens, that's early game stuff. Stuff that's in reserves or stuff that's like back here is like late game stuff. But the stuff that's really going to be kind of the meat and potatoes is this stuff right here in the middle. So generally, all this stuff here, you need to have an answer for. And as they drop each one, you need to kind of answer it 
and mirror it. So that way you have good lines when you're lining your units up into theirs and you're not interfering with your own movement. Does that make hey, sense? Let's go diagrams in real time. Teacher Tim. All right. So that was that was a concept that was um that was actually Sean Dayton that taught me that concept. Um and it was something that I kind of like when Susie said it, I was like, I was like, oh shit, <laughs> like duh. You know, but like we because we were playing, we were playing orcs versus Sladesh demons, and I wasn't really kind of like thinking about that. And like my I ended up just kind of like crisscrossing myself, you know. Um, but just you know, the same thing with like uh like if you played sports, you know, like when you're setting up picks or like that kind of stuff, or good defense, good offense, you have the same lines. It's the same thing. So in addition to knowing your math, know like what units you're gonna set up, like your heavy infantry into their heavy infantry, or like your your anti-armor into their armor, uh your screen killers, your blenders into their screens, that kind of stuff. Like you need to set up good lines. Um, and if you're gonna keep contesting a flank or whatever. You need to also kind of, um, as you have one unit move into it, you need to have other units that are kind of like hidden, but like kind of following. They're kind of like pathing along the same way, so that way you can just kind of keep reloading over and over and over again. You know, if you're not, if you're going to do like a sustained assault, you know, um, because once you run out, if there's nothing else in position to contest, and they still have stuff to contest, and you're trading one for one, well, guess what? If they have three units, you have two, and you're just trading one for one. Eventually, they're you're just you're, you threw two units away, you simplified it down, but now they just have it and you don't. Um, okay. Next question. And yeah, I agree with Clip. Uh, just comfortable shoes, sitting down when you can. Um, lots of water, some some healthy snacks, and then maybe like some stuff like some Aleve or some Tylenol or that kind of stuff. Uh, and take it if you think you're going to have like any sort of like pains, like headaches or stuff like that. Um, water and painkillers, they work best when yep. they're taken preemptively. Take um, yeah, so prehydrate, stay hydrated, um, and then you know, take take your Tylenol, whatever, before you think it's gonna be an issue. Because when you're trying to catch up, it's rough. Grant H, how many Thunderfire cans can you fit in your Okay, did I miss something? <laughs> like something's happening in the Discord. Yeah, right. Grant, the answer is one. I can fit one Thunderfire can in my mouth. There's no way I fit two. Uh, Dan F, why does Vic hate night players so much? Is there just a number of insufferable night players dragging the full ones down? Which 40k faction makes the oh, best? Okay, two questions. Hey, um, I guess night players. Oh no. Yeah. Uh, for the he he called the fourteen dollars <laughs> stupid, which you know. Yes. He all, but he also he also said he really liked Necrons in their current oh, state. So I'm kind of like, on, okay, so. so so we're no, we can no longer take the position of like pretending yeah, we're objectively yeah. correct, um, but it's um, okay. So again, we're gonna we're gonna soapbox a little bit again. So fair means different things to different people. Um, you have and you have two, and it's not it's not two sides of a coin. It's more like it's a, a gradient or a spectrum. Um, and I don't think anyone's truly at one side or the other. Everyone just kind of falls somewhere in between. So on the one side, you have people that think that the when two people walk up to a 40K game, the person who is more skilled should win 100% of the time. That is their definition of fair. On the other end of the spectrum, you think that, that you have two people to walk up, or you have the person who walks up, and he thinks that no matter what, no matter the skill level, that he should always have a 50% chance of winning. 
50-50 shot. And both both people are objectively correct. But both people cannot both both things can't be true at the same time. Um but I mean, you know, Warhammer is a dice game, but there are also there are it is a game of mitch uh movement and misritigation. So you can really skill. You risk risk mitigation. So there is there is skill that you can improve on there, but also there's sometimes it's kind of like, well, how bad can you react to to events, you know, or or how good are you at um, mitigating risk? Because if you just over mitigate, then you won't actually get anywhere because every single dice event, you basically have just taken the safest route and you just right. nothing happens except for your movement. You don't kill anything because you're not taking risks. I think um, there's a little bit of a so. <laughs> I think you and I are going. I think you yeah, and I are going yeah, to the yeah. same spot with this. So I, but I want, yeah, I want yeah. to preamble it. So, people who invest a lot of time in getting better at the game will naturally want to see payoff to that time invested. Um, so they're going to fall more in the thing where they want to, you know, they. I don't want to say they feel like they deserve to win, but like, because that's maybe that puts the wrong message out there. But I don't really know how better way to say it. But they feel that whoever has prepared more or invested more should win that game. Whoever's more skilled should win that game. And there's just certain armies that basically just are better at negating that or bridging the gap. And so stuff like custodies, stuff like knights, um, stuff like monster mash demons or monster mash nids, um, because they have such high stat values, stuff like that. And they, you know, stat check people. They're very good at, um, at kind of like quickly narrowing the gap where it's just basically kind of like, hey, you know, a mid-level player can kind of bridge the gap by being like, okay, well, I know that if we have like a ton of little, you know, resource management kind of economy wars and a bunch of like micro decision, decision wars, stuff like that, that this guy's just going to like slowly kind of like nickel and dime me all the way to a victory. But if I take these big lumbering steps where I'm just like, oh, big dice roll, big dice roll, big dice roll, you know, um, and I'm competent enough to know what I need to do to win, but not hyper competent enough where I, I, I can keep up with all these right. little micro decisions. Um, then if all of a sudden I just crack the game wide open with a big, huge dice roll, you know, a big, huge monster, big, huge knight, whatever, stuff like that, then at that point I can get ahead and then I can focus on preserving the scoreboard and, and just trying to like lock the opponent out of the game. And the guys who love those, um, those hyper MSU jank armies, that kind of stuff, where they want to just finesse their way to a victory because they've just put tons and tons of reps, tons of they hate that shit. Hate that shit. <laughs> they hate it so they hate it so bad. Well, guess what? If you are a dad, if you are a husband, or if you just like have hobbies besides 40k, like maybe you just love mountain biking or you love scuba diving or whatever, and you want to like, you know, win. More than 50% of your games, but you don't want to invest all your life into this or you're unable to, guess what armies you need to be playing? Those types of armies. That's yeah. that's what we call that's what we lovingly yeah. call big boy time. Um, because it really rewards people who are just good enough to understand the fundamentals competitive 40k and understand like win conditions and loss conditions and like screening and primary and secondary and you know being aggressive or playing safe and when you need to do both, whatever. But maybe you aren't on like the upper end of the bell curve where it's just kind of like, you know, the ins and outs of every single little matchup, you know, how to, you, you know, how to manage like 
three different economies and like two different resources and blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff, you know, because I don't know about you. I don't get played to be good at this game. Uh, I don't live in a stream house, you know, like I don't. Yeah, I. I'm, I'm like aggressively like decent at the game, <laughs> but I think that's a lot aggressively decent. I love that too. Yeah, like it's like like I've been playing for a long time. Like I kind of like you know eventually you know you kind of like learn the fundamentals and you can kind of just play good Warhammer. But that's the thing. Like I just try to show up and just play the good Warhams. Um, but it's getting harder and harder to keep up. And these guys who just have tons and tons and tons of time, you know, they definitely get rewarded, you know, by these armies that have lots of little tiny decision points because they have had so much time to master and so many reps to master that. What I, what again though they you tend to kind of get you know a little into a little bit of an echo chamber where you think that's the only valid way to play the game. Um, so and I think and we're gonna get him on the he's he's deployed to Louisiana right now. Um, he does like a I forgot what he does. He's a, a Mark Mark Parker um, oh, yeah, a teammate yeah. of mine, good friend and everything. He. I call I call him the grandfather of Bunga Bunga, uh, and we'll get him on the show. Um, we just want to make sure he doesn't talk about politics. But besides that, uh, we just we'll, we'll give him the forty k because uh, he will bo- he will boom super hard. But he is like the father of Bunga Bunga, and he all and he just he loves it. And I kind of like adopted that that love from him, where it's just like there's nothing sweeter than when you beat someone. And and like as you're kind of like doing the thing where you're like packing up all your stuff and you go to the score, you'd be like, Yeah, well, you know, I just I just like to think when I win or everything. You're you know, like, you're sounds cute, like, man. <laughs> oh man, I like when people say that, I just I, I just I just shower and I just I love it so much. When they're just like, Oh, this army is stupid, or oh, I like to, oh, I just like to think when I win. I'm like, as soon as I hear them getting ready to say it, I'm like, like I'm like oh, ready what? for it. I'm ready to just eat yeah, it up. Actually, I, no, no. I appreciate this take from Vic because I think it sets up a hot take that I have about the game, which I've said before in, 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 the, in the Discord, which is that like I think there are elements. Some people who are very good at this game are good at it in a way that's akin to like mechanical exploits that you find in video games where like if you stand here, then the computer opponent can't target you and as a result you can really you know like it's it's less about like are they and usually it's on top of them being like really good at like risk mitigation and movement and planning um and understanding the matchup and like getting things out but every now and then you run into somebody and this has happened to me before i'm just like oh this person's good and you're like are they like are they did they just find a cheat code that like we're broadly unaware of and we show up and you're like, oh shit, I didn't know that was on the table. I have no way to prepare for that. That seems odd. And now I've lost because it was like a key moment in the game. This exploit was introduced. I was unaware and un- un- unprepared for it. And now I lose. Cool. Um, and there are some armies that lend themselves to a play style that identifies those exploit points. Um, and I think that, that like the the Venn diagram between people between people who like like finding those exploit points and like like the big brain armies is like this, um, and that is very very far away from what I think the idealized state of the game looks like. Because um, I like this, oh man, I remember in ninth all the like weird mechanical close combat shenanigans where I was just like, wow, this is really impressive, and also like 
wow, like 90% of players have no clue what's happening. And if you busted this out on them at the table, they'd be like, oh, I guess I just lose this combat now. Like, why did I even charge? Like, that feels bad and like the sort of thing that mm -hmm. should not, in fact, be part of a game that's whose core mechanics rest on like risk assessment, decision making under duress, and like movement in space. That's all. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, I think definitely that to that effect, they're probably the melee between um, the melee should probably be somewhere halfway between what it was in ninth yeah. and what it is now. Um, like I get what they're trying to go for, it's but I think it's just too, it's still um, like there's no element of exploration to it, but it's, it's still too exactly. simple. Exactly. Um, well, it also it'd be a little bit clunky, but I mean that's also a little bit of a definitely a side tangent. Um, but yeah, that's that's the thing. It's just like there's armies in the game that are that are simple, but have these big spiky dice rolls, you know. And it's kind of like, hey, if I fail too many dice rolls, the game just ends. But if I make a bunch of these dice rolls, you know, it's like calling an ambulance, but not for me, you know, like that sort of thing. Then I um, and and I I you hear you hear it all the time, like from like kind of like top level players when they're when they're playing someone that they think is like a bracket or two below them, you know, they just hate Oops. it when that type that type of player like goes for a low percentage charge that they have no business going for. And then they make it, and they're like, "Shit, you know, like they uh, hate that shit. They hate that shit, you know." But it's like, yeah, but it, yeah, but yeah, but it's like, is that player? Is that other player? Is he doing that because he doesn't know that it's a low percentage, or that if he I knows this, that that's yeah. he? If he hit this, is over, you know, because like when you are when you're punching up into like someone whose skill yeah, level is above rest. you, the longer the the longer the game goes the lower the percentage right. of you winning that game is. Right. Straight up, you know? So, I mean, don't, by all means, I mean, unless, you, unless you're unless you down for it, like, by all means, don't don't deploy in the line and be like, YOLO, you know, but, like, unless that's the only way you can win. But, I mean, if you do, no. you know, if I'm nuts, playing, like, I guess. <laughs> I was going to say, if I'm playing Anthony, I'll deploy on the line, but, like, no, nah, that'll go south also. Like, that'll go, oh. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, sometimes that doesn't get you anything. Like against Anthony's CSM list, like he that list like null deploys. You know, it's like, hey, one thing's shootable, one CP. Now it's not. Good job. You know, now you're closer to him, and yeah, the game just yeah. ends. You know. Yeah. Um, I do that moment. But like, I, mean, I gotta get yeah. like I can either guaranteed lose this game over the next five turns, or I can attempt to win it now, knowing that there's a skill difference. Like, you know. Exactly. And that, and I mean, there's a little bit of skill to like knowing and recognizing that as well, you know. Um, and that is, I think that's where, that is where like teams and everything kind of helped me out too. Cause like I was, I, that was something I considered on like the player to player level, but I don't think I ever really took into account at the um, faction to faction level. Um, I mean, like you, there's usually always like two armies that are, you know, above yeah. and beyond everything else. You know, and then there's a couple like there's like one or two armies. It's kind of like if you see them, it's like a free lunch. But I never really paid attention to everything in the middle. Now I really do, you know, and like, um, you know, at, uh, granted, it's a little bit easier to say now in a, in with a singles meta being what it is, where everything's so binary. But yeah, like in the in War Masters, I was I paired to IK and I literally just deployed in the line. I was like, well, if I try to play a real game, I think I just lose. So I just deployed in the line, and then I went first, and then. I killed him in two turns. Easy. Um, da, da, da. 
from Gabe C. When we're drinking old fashions at the bar after playing uh, double rake night on day one, what type of whiskey brand are we going with? Um, for old fashions, I like Makers. Yep. But any any good bourbon will be fine. Yeah, Makers old fashions. I I do love old fashions. Just booze, booze to the face. <laughs> Apply booze to face. Uh, Grant asked us to live react to the Nova reveals since we're having right before the show. Sorry, we didn't give you a live react. Um, but and we didn't talk about the reveals. Uh, I'm here for the biggest piggest man. Yeah, I'm gonna turn great. that guy into something. Man. I I mean I I like the I love the feral orc aesthetic so um I use the orc brutes for my knobs um I convert all of them I cut those guys at the wrist add like power claws and stuff like that um even though I do like the the squig models and stuff like that I definitely kind of like the idea of converting you know they're just a little too big and too armored, but I would definitely like to eventually convert the orc models into boys. And then I'd love the beast snag as they stay as is. Um, but then have the the um the boar riders as the squig hog riders, and then have that the biggest pigus as my um as my beast boss on a dinosaur or beast boss on a squigosaur. Like that that seems dope. Um, because I even though my model my orcs are painted um like dust skulls, I think snake bites are like my favorite. I just, I just yeah. love the feral orc vibe. Yeah, I think AOS continues the long tradition now with them just having straight better models than like every other game line Games Workshop has going. That like old timey trog leader um, that they busted out. That, that model looks gorgeous. And I'm to... Bro, that that manscore, that manscore. The city's Sigma line broadly is. <laughs> fucking slamming like it looks so good if you are a sisters player um i think there's some real crossover there if like uh for like yep. the more like uh the penitent side of the stuff like the arcoflagellants the preachers the pendant engines stuff like that i think there's some real co um conversion fodder uh there i'm excited yeah. to see what people do with it uh da -da. more stuff about booze <laughs> Pictures of booze, some funny gifts. Still talking about booze. Man, this chat is going sideways. More gifts. More gifts. Uh, how important is it that I freehand old painless on my Terminator's assault cannon? Uh, I'd say very important. You should do that. Do it. That is it for the questions. Uh, let me scroll through, make sure I didn't miss anything in the live chat. Grant says he's got some trim left on the obliterators and blue scribes. He is done. Hell yeah. I just got an oil washing base for my four uh, dogs, Let's and then go. I'm done. Done enough. Cool, man. That is it. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see everyone tomorrow slash Friday. Uh, it's kind of weird. I'm like not packed at all. So. Uh, it's going to be interesting being in D.C. 24 hours from now. At least I'm hey. checking in the flight. Um, yeah, not bringing any not bringing any luggage. I'm just literally just army in one hand, a backpack with clothes and toothbrush in the other. Um, just trying to make this quick, like, get in, get out, socialize with the homies, roll some dice. Um, maybe if I see something I want to buy, you know, sneak a box hey. or two home. But uh, maybe a plate. 
my my custodians collection is missing blade champions I, I can't find those things anywhere so if i if there's if they're selling them there i might i'll probably pick up two and then that's custodies done um and i don't that's nice because it won't take up a lot of room in the bag that's, that's sick, it, man. man. I'm excited for you. Excited for your listen to it. Excited to follow out goes. Excited to hear about it in Discord. Yeah, man. Yeah. Side talk bro. bugs when those when the when the codex man, comes out, man. So, we'll be talking so about that a bunch. Excited about that. I, I love big bugs. I love big bugs. Cannot lie. Yeah, I love the I love the I love the kaiju energy. All right, man. Uh, well, it's late. I'm gonna let uh, I'm gonna let you go to sleep. I'm gonna let our viewers go to sleep, and I will stall while i try to look for this outro and there it is and i will see you guys uh in the discord so everyone uh, yeah man see you guys in nova or see you in the discord for more shows like this check out the goonhammer media network more info at media.goonhammer.com